episode number 46 of the Tartan Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan and myself, Kyle Gregg. So, Tom, back from the big smoke, are you? Back, yeah, back, back to work Monday, you know, highlight of my Monday, speaking to you about some running, and there's been a lot of running this weekend. It's been it's been quite a, a good bit of running. Well, obviously you've you've been in London for the for the big half, um, being Fiona's number one cheerleader, which we'll Indeed. certainly get to that. Uh, we had the Inverness half marathon, and we're also going to have in the show an author, a well-renowned author. Do you want to tee it up, Tom? Uh, please, Kyle. I, I would much rather you did it. A Darren. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Adarin and Finn. You know, I assume it's Ardoran Finn, but I might be wrong. I actually, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. So, yeah, so really excited. It was great. You spoke to him a few weeks ago, so I'm really looking forward to hearing this one. You know, he's, uh, you know I've read his his books and uh, well, I haven't read his new one about the the rise of the ultra runner, but um certainly keen to read it now. So, yeah, that's exciting. I don't, I don't think that I don't think it's out just yet. Um, oh, is it not? But okay. yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be out in the spring some at some point. So I think it'll be an interesting book anyway. I mean, basically he's he's he's, he's experienced various cultures and um, you know around the world and uh, you know he's been to Kenya, he's been to Japan, he's he's you know he's obviously been in he's experienced the UTMB, he's done. A lot of different things and, and wrote really well about it as well. So it's going to be, yeah, really, really good to to read all the the, the new book that's coming out from him. So Absolutely. yeah, aye. So plenty on the on the agenda tonight. And we've got a couple of runners rants as well as always. As um, always so yeah. thank you, thank you again, listeners for for sending them in as well. I'm sure yeah. we'll have a, I'm sure we'll 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 put our own take on it, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So. So before we de- delve into race results, Kyle, how has your training been over the last week? Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. I was reading that. I was just reading that. A wee magazine called Aberdeen? Question mark there. Was that? I, didn't, a, I didn't wonder why you started just reading a magazine. Like, how rude! I'm I'm bored of your chat already. <laughs> uh, oh God, right. So what what was my week like? Here we go. It's like my little diary here. I can't wait to look back on these these uh, episodes and you know. Re- just remember, reminisce about how uh, how good my training was going. Um, but uh, my week's gone all right, Tom. Uh, what did I do? I went. I did a park run actually. Believe it or not. Cool. I did the the Krathis park run oh, on yeah. Saturday morning. How was it? Half nine. It, it was okay. Yeah, it was. It's a hilly course, mind you. Um, so you start at the castle, you go down, and then you go. You take an about turn, you go back up to the start, and then you go down. A, and it's it's basically kind of like a I don't know, uh, yeah. It it takes you back up to the castle and then you take a take a right down to where the main entrance of the the kind of the castle is, and then you go all the way back up again and you finish. So it's a bit of a it's a hilly course. Uh, I ran a a PW <laughs> the last couple of a season's best and a personal worst. Oh really? Seventeen seventeen fifteen. Um, so it wasn't the fastest of courses, but uh, I mean, it was far from the the fast course. But I, got, I think I've got the course record. Well, there you go. That's something. It's only it's only it's, it's only been run about three times, mind you. But <laughs> um, and then only Debbie people was in front of you. Exactly, and and Debbie did it as well. She was um, twenty two weeks pregnant, and she got a 
a cheeky wee 22 minute 5k oh. and she 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 got the win as well very good yeah, yeah, but then you know it's it's a park run, not a park race. Say, it's a yeah. She's sure uh, first finisher is the phrase you're looking for. First finisher, that's the guy. Um, so I uh, I ended up doing my run as part of like a a sort of marathon paced effort. Uh, so I did a five k before my park run, and then I did a ten k afterwards. But I tell you, you know we we were talking about brutal conditions. Brutal. The wind that brutal. Um, so I was running. I had to, I ran along the D side line yet again. Um, I ran for about 5k and then I turned back, but I wish I just kept going because Debbie could have given me, picked me up because I had a brutal headwind in the way back to, <laughs> to the castle. Um, so I, I was going to phone Debbie and Debbie can just pick me up further on, but uh, you know what? I hope, you're, just, I, hope you're stra- I hope your Strava says brutal headwind on it. No, I ended up. I thought you would. I, I thought you would kill me for that, so I didn't bother. Um, and do you know? Do, and do you know what we did after that, Tom? I went. I went to my first baby convention. Wow. I don't Excellent. know what. So it was. It's basically just um, almost new baby toys and uh, baby books, baby buggies. Uh, you name it, anything baby related, it was it was there, and it was held at Cults Academy. Uh, so we got there just just after eleven a.m. on the Saturday, so straight after park run, got our got our tracksuit bottoms on, and off we went to this baby convention. And there was a there was about a twenty minute queue to get in the bloody thing, um, and it was just full of pregnant women. So it was a uh, it was a bit of an experience, but. We got a, we got ourselves we got ourselves a, a little all terrain buggy though for an absolute absolute bargain so that was good but I mean that it was just something um you know it's not going to be the main buggy but for the price it was like oh why not let's give it let's get that and good. test it out you know so so that was that was quite quite good um but yeah I'm kind of rambling again Tom training wise so yeah training's been going okay I suppose it's been I've I got just under ninety miles for the week. Um I did a, just under twenty miles on Sunday. And um yeah, I did a sort of fast session on the Wednesday of, of Kilometer Rep. So next week, next week's the week. Ooh, so how'd you taper for a hundred K race then? Um Apart from apart course. and don't say do less. <laughs> <laughs> don't run, don't run anything longer. We do, than... we do some like sharp stuff just to get the legs fired up. Or are you just gonna? Because I mean, your your target. Let's say let's say seven hours as a as a just as a, a nice time. So we said last week that's like six fifty something like that. So will you do some running at that pace to try and lock into it, or will you do short sharp stuff to try and really fire up for it? I, I think I'm not gonna in terms of taper, Tom. I think I'm not gonna do anything different to what I've I've done in the last. The last few years, I think I'll, I mean, okay, the distance is a bit longer, but um, I might do a little bit less mileage on the, you know, next week compared to if I was doing a marathon. But, um, but yeah, I usually, I'm sort of a firm believer in a, a shortish taper rather than a, a long, uh, prolonged sort of taper over two weeks. You know, I think some people get a little bit caught up in, in tapering and yeah, tapering exactly. too long. And uh, I think it, you've, there's a bit of a risk to get, to lose some of the, you know, reverse some of the fitness that you've you've, you've gained and um not not obviously all of it but 
certainly um you know the, the sharpness that you you might be needing but mm-hmm. in terms of an ultra i mean you you're not you don't really necessarily have to be sharp and as mm. fit as a not you know sharp and, and fast you know um so yes yeah, so I, I think i'll just uh just do what i usually do so we're talking 10 days on wednesday um I'll, I'll i'll drop the mileage down to about 60 70 in fact maybe even I might even stick to 80 this week, and then next week, it'll, the next kind of couple of days, I'll, I'll just start doing single sessions, uh, lighter work. Certainly do some speed work on the Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, or, you know, mile reps, that sort of marathon pace. Um, and, you know, I'll probably do a, a sort of light tempo on the, the Thursday as well. And that'll be me ready to go, Tom. Excellent. Can't wait. Yeah. You... So anyway, enough about me. How it? How are you getting on? I'm doing good. Well, I mean, as you say, enough about you. Yours is much more exciting. We've got a race coming up. I think, and actually, that was something that struck me um, a while, but a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking, do you know what? Uh, I feel I feel for the listeners because I think it's much more interesting when we're both heading towards goal races. So at least you're continuing to fly that flag. You've got a Scotland Scotland vessel coming up in the next couple of weeks. It's a British Champs. It's a big event. So it's very exciting now. Really, really good. Yeah, it's 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 getting there. I, I'm still trying to get my head around running 42 laps around a around a park for six or seven. But well, hopefully, hopefully six six would be great, wouldn't it? But, but you, you know, never what? know, that's the right. Answer, we'll just though. see what happens. I think that's the right way to think about it. Is 42 laps? I think once you start, everyone's different. But for me, if I was to start thinking of it as 100k or 60 miles, whatever you want to call it, that would be when I would start. It would get in my head. But 42 laps sounds, you know, that's manageable. You keep, you know, keep chopping them I think off. as well, yeah. I think as well, it's um, it's in a race situation. I think if you're going out and to say you're going to go and run 42 laps around the park of, mm-hmm. you know, 100k around the park without, you know, with it not being in a race situation, I, I personally think it'd be boring as hell to do that, you know. Whereas if it's in a race situation, there's there's lots, you know, there's lots of support. Um, you're it's it's a big title up up for grabs, um, and you're running with other people, you know. So, mm-hmm. what what is there not to like about running around the park forty two times, Tom? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, I, I'm <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to it. Well, well let's. So that's a, that's it's Monday the eleventh today. So that's a week on a week on Saturday. Or is it a week on Saturday? A week on Sunday? A week. Oh God! Now you now you're testing me. Um, Sunday. Week Sunday. Sunday. Okay. So yeah, so week Sunday. So yeah. let's next week have a wee, we can have a wee preview of that. So good. So anyway, my on my training, I'm uh, I'm yeah, good actually, really good. So last week I was much more positive. I'm more positive again this week. I did. I mean, I've been fanning around twenty mile, twenty miles a week, sort of the last six to eight weeks, just as it's come and gone and come and gone the knee. But then last week was good. I got uh, it was like all easy running, but I got like 30, 30 35 miles in for the week. This is two weeks ago with a with up to eight miles, and then this week I've done I've touched forty miles with up to with up to ten miles in a single run. So definitely getting better. The knee is oh I like is, it. It's good. The knee is pain free. There's an ache later on in the run, but it's pain free. And yeah, I mean touch okay. wood. I'm hoping I can start to put on, push on a bit of speed because it was all easy work until tonight. So tonight after work, I've raced out of work long long afternoon at work. Um, met up with uh, Mr. Strack, Mr. Cameron Strachan for an easy run, and 
Honestly, I was breathing oh. up my arse on what was his easy run going up up on these hills in West Hill. Too embarrassed to to ask to ease the pace off, you know. So I'm hanging on <laughs> and, uh, on this easy run. What I, pace were you doing? It was I don't know like six twenty something like that. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I hey, for an easy run. Jesus, Cameron. Uh, What's a, Cameron doing? Anyway, we we it's for an easy run. But you know, I think you know to be fair to him, you know it's like when you, you're. Uh, you're two, you're yapping away when you run it. Anyway, we closed with like a six-minute mile, and I'm just like, you know, it wasn't that. I actually felt I'm quite pleased at how I felt with it, but I'm, I know what you know what it's like. I think f- get four or six weeks under my belt once I get back training, and it'll all come back. But it's just that, just a little bit of a fitness hit, clearly rusty, and but it was good. It was nice to turn the legs a bit quicker, maybe a bit quicker than I should have, but really enjoyed it. And yeah, so I'm I'm seeing a physio James again this week. I'm hoping to try and push it, nudge it again, maybe 30, well, sorry, 45 odd miles for the week. And, and he said he's greenlit me for tw- up to 80 minutes. So that will hopefully be about Oof. 12 miles. So yeah, it's, uh, it's coming back in terms of volume, which is good. And then I just need to try and push on with the, the, the pace side of it. And it's this glute. I'm working on the glute. I really am focusing on trying to get this glute activated to, to control the knee a bit more. So it's a good are place. You still, uh, are, you, are you still doing the, what is it you said? St- up. The monster walk. Stand the, up. Oh, the, the yes, at ease soldier. At ease soldier. Yeah. Do you know what? So I was, I was down, so watch, watching the half marathon of the weekend, I was on my feet a lot and I kept finding myself standing, leaning on one leg. So I'm trying to like, you know, shift it back more. Even look at me now, I'm shifting on one, one arse cheek. As I'm I know. Jeez. You're, you're like a, you're like a rocking horse. So I'm back. I'm a, back in a lateral la- la- rocking horse. But yeah, so physically getting back there, but do you know what this is? And to, I tell you what, without going into all, getting a violin out, the last two, three weeks was seeing everyone start to race. has been really hard. Like really, uh, you know, and I was so, we'll talk about the results of the weekend. So pleased for Fiona. It's such a good run. Uh, but other, you know, seeing other mates of mine racing this weekend, the big half was supposed to be my first race, real goal race of the year. And I remember thinking uh, before Christmas going, yeah, I'm going to go to the big half. I'm going to run sub 71. I'm going to be in good shape. And it just, uh, I was really quite like, oh, this is pretty grim. And you know, it'll come back. Yeah. I know it'll come back, but it's just a bit, it's just envy. You know, when you see everyone out there smashing it and you just think, oh, I want to be doing that. Oh, you'll uh, be there. You'll, you, you, we've all, we all have to take our, Take her, take her um, time on the sidelines and exactly. I've been there. Fiona's recently been there, and, and look at her now. Time. I think it's, I think it um, dovetails into a cracking um, way to introduce Fiona's cracking performance. So absolutely, like, so she ran a seventy-five oh four. So she's break, Whoa, broke her seventy-five oh one. Oh, sorry, Fiona. She's. <laughs> I must say though, Tom, you you wrote on the Met Rabbitine Facebook seventy six initially, didn't you? I did. It was a typo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at least I didn't get a minute off compared to what you did. So Fiona, Jeez. so Fiona, anyway. yeah, it was it was the big half in London, which is the it's organised by the London Marathon. It's essentially half the London Marathon, and it's in you know in all in all, in, all, in everything and the way it's organised. It's it's like a slightly scaled down version of the London Marathon. It's the course is not far off being the first half of the London Marathon in in reverse. The field it's got you know similar names, Mo at the front, and it's the British Champs. So it's a really it's a great event. There was like fourteen thousand runners, and you know 
big elites there. There was a really strong male and female field, strong para field as well. And and yeah, I mean, we'll, I guess we'll come to the main results. But yeah, so as you say, Fiona, 75 10th female at the British Champs. And, you know, okay, I'm heavily biased, but it wasn't an easy day. It was breezy as hell. There was like 40 mile an hour headwinds at some sections. And okay, it's on your back at some point, but... I saw them at Canary Wharf, which is essentially a wind tunnel, and it was brutal. I mean, that, I, you know, I'm authorizing the use of the B word here. It was brutal. <laughs> the, the B word. <laughs> I, well, I mean, the, was the fun run not cancelled because of the winds? The fun and run was cancelled. The marquees were going to be blown of, away, so they decided to like they camp it. it. Well, what was funny is, you know how at London you get so used to all, like, music on the course, you've got all that... Like, every, like you can see these brass bands as you approach, like, a mile marker, or suddenly it's like a... Like, there's loads of, loads of music on the course. What was really weird is, because of the high winds, they, they cancelled all that, so it was really quiet on the course. Like, really, just... Oh, okay. really, it was really odd. Uh, you know, especially when you've got Canary Wharf, and you compare it to London Marathon, where, okay, that's a major marathon, I know it's a bigger event. But the London Marathon is banging around there, absolutely banging, and uh, Canary Wharf was just dead, absolutely dead. <laughs> I bet, I bet more people had the headphones in this time though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that, they probably, they probably were. I, although, yeah. I, and their names I, on their, and their names on their running bibs. Yeah, aye, exactly. The vests. No, you can't hear anyone shouting the names. But <laughs> you know, really good club field. So Fee tenth and. She was, you know, really pleased with the position. I think she's a bit disappointed with the time because she would love to go on the 75. And she's definitely, I think, in that sort of shape looking at that result. And well, look at them, um, just, just to ban Tom. Go for it. The, the World Half Marathon Championships. I believe the, it's the, it's the cut-off time, not the cut-off time, but the, the, the time standard. not sub-75. Yeah, the standard sub-75. So she's only two seconds off getting a, yeah. the standard for the World Half Marathon Championships, yeah, and that's for the GP team. That's a hell of a standard, and you know, that's and amazing. She, and yeah. you know, and she's she's really, she knows, you know, she not, that's not, oh, she's not running it thinking oh, I'm going to get selected. But she's running thinking oh, it's cool. To, it would be really cool to run that standard. And some of the names, I mean, she she beat Gemma Steele, she beat uh, Tracy Barlow, Danny Nimick. You know, these are all England and British internationals, so really strong. And actually, from a Scottish perspective, we also had Steph Twell at the front, so Steph was second. Uh, Steph bossed it a lot through the race, but um, she was beaten by Charlotte Perdue, who was really on yeah. the charge in the second half. She uh, she came she came through really strong. Um, I think I think Steph maybe faded slightly, but uh, yeah, impressive to see those two battling it out. Um, was yeah. it, I I I thought the I actually thought the the, the women's race was you know I, I thought it was more entertaining than the guys' race. I think. There yeah, wasn't really yeah. any anything happening in the guys' race, um, so so yeah, that was, it was pretty good to see. Yeah, I didn't really, yeah, I, 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 the, the the coverage was okay, but you know, it didn't all it all it really focused on was the top three in each of the race. It didn't really focus on. It, it would just be really good if the BBC focused on the the you know the club level because it was a British Championship, so. You know, it would have been great just to film some more of the race, you know? Yeah, but, I agree. Absolutely agree. Uh, it's better. It's, you know, coverage. Coverage is better than no coverage, I suppose. So, I mean, it's on the women's race. So, just to recap on that, being the British champ, so the British champion over half marathon is Charlotte Perdue, 110.38, Steph Twell, second in 71.33, and third, Charlotte Arter in 71.44. So, yeah, Charlotte Purdue put a minute into Steph in, you know, in, in the sort of second bit of the race, which is quite impressive. Um, 
And then in the in the men's, as you say, it wasn't that exciting in the sense it's kind of just a predictable Mo Farah show again. Yeah. Sit, sit, yeah, sit, right. sit, 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 go. So I noticed he, uh, he, he he fell back a little bit. I don't know why. I don't. I didn't get get the post interview, but. I think they were complaining that he had some maybe potentially stomach cramps or something, and okay. he, uh, he, you know, he was he just he's just been travelling. Um, he got off the plane on Thursday, um, but yeah, I mean, he was fine. He, he was he looked in good form. Uh, so yeah, so that was that was that really. So who was the who was the first Scot in the big half male wise? So the first Scot would be. Uh, I think it would be Kenny Wilson. Was it Kenny? Was it? Yeah, I think it was Kenny in seventy-eight forty-two. And I'm not. I mean, there's a couple of the Welsh lads further up. I mean, from a British perspective, Mo won seventy-one fifteen second. But then you had um, Bashir Abdi, Bashir Abdi, his training partner, seventy-one sixteen, and Daniel Wanjiru in seventy-one seventeen. So tight those three. But in terms of the British champs, second was Dewey Griffiths seventy-three. Sorry, I'm talking rubbish here. Sixties here, sixty-three seventeen for Dewey. Um, Chris Thompson, sixty-three forty-one. Uh, we're big fans of Tom on here. Uh, Chris Thompson and Dewey bo- both beating Wilson Kipsang, which is a quite a, a scalp. Yeah, and then yeah. You you go back. You've got guys like Josh Griffiths in there, Jack Gray. But really, um, first, uh, yeah, first Scott is is Kenny Wilson, Maury Roadrunners in seven, uh, sixty-eight forty-two. You got a lot of exposure on the camera with that. Bright yellow vest of his. <laughs> yes, I think Kenny will be this, but at this point with that, he's. Uh, I mean, you know, Kenny's not one to make excuses, but I think he's. You know, he had a bit of time out, and he's maybe not quite sharp or as fit as he was uh, last year. But Kenny will be. Kenny will be back. Um, and we had uh, Del Rey as well in the field. Del had a good run. I think he was uh, just inside seventy minutes. All right. Yeah, I think it was one oh nine thirty five or something like that. Yeah. So Decent performance by by Delray. Yeah, and then and then one more shout out to give from a Scottish perspective. Uh, we had Jason Kelly, Metro Aberdeen, ran an absolute stormer to run seventy fifty three, which is again, you know, I'm not under I'm not trying to under egg. It was a difficult day, so Jason I think knocked like a minute and a bit off his PB. Really strong run there. So well done, mate. That's an absolute <clears throat> absolutely fantastic run. Yeah, great run. Um, well done, well done, to J- Jason. Yes. Yeah, but I tell you what. So I think we said this before, but we need to get down there. That's a it's a good a good a good good race, good setup, and you know British Championships. I don't know if they do team yeah. prizes or not, but there wasn't that many. You know, there's not that many uh, teams sort of packing even around sort of seventy to seventy three minutes. Yeah, you're probably right. Actually, yeah. I mean, if it's a British Championship, surely they're gonna have a a team championships as well. So. I think so. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> Tom's Tom's buzzing the night like he's, he's had a long he's had a long weekend yeah. in London. I tell you, you know, Jesus. You, a yawn after twenty six well, minutes. That's pretty. Tell cool. you what, listeners, I'll try and entertain everyone. I'll uh, well, Tom, you, you can do the boring part and read out the results and right. And I'll, so I'm I don't know how I'm entertain you, but you could be the entertainment. So if we well, so we'll stick with half marathon and we'll move north. Uh, it was also the Inverness half on on Sunday, which is a great race. I ran that last year, really enjoyed it. I think they had quite cold conditions actually there. It was, from what I understand, really bitterly cold, so not easy there either. Um, and that was a, a defending his title, a win for Robbie Simpson, sixty six fifteen. So um, I guess solid comfortable run. win, comfortable yeah, two, win. Yeah, two I mean, and a half minutes ahead, nice easy training run. You know that's yeah. a 
Tart, I don't know what he's shooting for at London, but it's um, that that times two again is, is is perfect, Robbie. Yeah, I exactly. So and you know, with Robbie, I think, buys you know hasn't had the most the best build up in the last month or so. So hopefully Robbie can string a few weeks together now and get himself into really good shape for London and run the sort of time we know he can. Um, yeah, so Mike Crawley second sixty eight forty, uh, and then Mike Cristoforo sixty nine oh seven. So I think that's uh. I wasn't. I'm not sure if that's Mike Christopher's debut at the distance or not. I think it may well be. Uh, I think he might have done one before, but okay. yeah, I'm not not sure. Maybe maybe not. Mike, um, Mike Christopher, who of course was third at the National Cross. Yeah. RAC, so yeah, yeah, good one from him. Uh, see, uh, Don, Donny McDonald's making another appearance on the on yeah. the on the TRS podcast again with a a one ten thirty five. That's a that is he is an animal. I mean that's a, a V forty yeah V forty now, and I think it's a PB for him too. So. Amazing result for. I actually don't know if Donnie listens, so uh, apologies for slagging you off last week. We weren't slagging it. Uh, we were just uh, we were just enjoying his name. That's all. <laughs> enjoying his name, yeah. Um, so yeah, so apologies, Donnie. Um, but but well done today. Well done in your result, and Renessa. That was that was cracking. Before we um, move on, before we move on to the women's result, just to highlight a few. Um, you know, we we love a bit of bias in here, of course. So some of our mates, so James Espy, uh, really good. I think I'm not sure that. If that if that's James's half debut or not, you may know, but 71 oh, and 17. He's done a few halves before, so okay. this is his... Um, big PB. It's a, it's a big PB for James. Yeah, really good. I think he was shooting for a sub-112, so to, to get okay. to get a sub-112 is great. SB's been on the show as an interviewee. He has. Um, he's, he's, a hill, he's a hill basher, so he's um, he loves all things heavy bashing. So if you if you get out if you I don't don't know the episode he was he, we interviewed him on but um check out check it out on yeah. Spotify Spotify what SoundCloud <laughs> try, try it there if you want but SoundCloud might be better <laughs> I don't know I don't know on Spotify just no, yet I don't, I, don't, I don't know how we can get onto that I don't know maybe we need to pull some strings there um so yeah. yes good run Ben Ward one beer yeah that was the next one yeah Ben seventy one fifty six really that's a big PB from Ben and. Skip, skipped 72 minutes already. He was oh, totally. He was 73 something straight down to 71 something. So great from him. And then Tom Roach locally, uh, another you know vet there. 72.29 for Tom. Strong. Nice. So is that a PB for Tom as well? Is it? It is. Yeah. It is oh, indeed. Yeah. Tom Dory as well. Another PB for him. Yep. I think. Um, Metro Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's there. not be let's not be too too biased. I, I see um, Billy Gibson. Yep. You were interviewing him, weren't you? Yeah, Dundee Hawks, yep. well done, Billy. One fifteen, another another V forty, so jeez, keep him coming. So let's um, so we're not gonna be but this is moving away from local names. So the women's race was won by Liz Abbott of Levin St Anne's Roadrunners in seventy six forty eight. So she's obviously a obviously a ringer. Still not a few in the Brian time though, is it? <laughs> no. No a strong <laughs> so, run so, a strong run for an unknown. Ah yeah, yeah. Luckily, I mean. Yeah. Kate, Katie White, Garsky Harriers was second, um, and in one seventeen thirty four, and third place was Fanny Garuko, one one eighteen fifty one the Central at AC. Very good. So, yeah, there you go. So you know, uh, Scottish runners, this is one to look out for. I mean, I, I know I talked to a big game. I think the big half is a great event, but Inverness half is a great half marathon. It's a real club field. It's uh, it's got potential. It's, I think I honestly think it's a quick course. You know, you've got downhill in the second half. You can you can 
you can really get after it. So I, I would thoroughly recommend it to anyone for who's looking for a pre-marathon, uh, pre-half, pre-marathon, half-marathon. Sorry for next year. That's uh, yeah, I do like Inverness. I got, I got an what did I get? I got a nine-minute PB. <laughs> that was when I was. Often. That that was that was when I was um, I started training again, training more and um, putting lots of training together. And when I was when I finished uni and trained here and there, and then I was like, right, enough's enough, Kyle. Let's start training properly. And and then I did a a good half marathon and smashed my time. So gone. Nice. You know, another another eleven eleven minute PB would would be a nine minute PB would just be would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's never, it's never going to happen, mind you. But you can only hope. You can only hope, indeed. Yeah. Right. What else so have we got race-wise, we've got the inter counties. So we we had we didn't really have that many Scottish Scottish people going down, but we we did have Cameron Strachan was running. We had we obviously had the interview with Adam Craig last week, and um, so he was also running. So Adam, I think Adam. Adam didn't have the best of of runs, I don't think. Um, I think you'll probably be a little bit disappointed not to be higher up. Um, but regardless, I mean, this is the cream of your. This is the cream of the crop, really, isn't it? In terms of, mm-hmm. um, it was a trial for the the World Cross Country Championships. So we had Adam Hickey was the winner. Um, so he 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 obviously gets the automatic ticket to the World Cross Country Championships. The the golden ticket. So apparently, it's it's twelve years since Adams made a GB team for the World Cross Country Championships. Oh, wow. So uh, he ran in in Mombasa as a junior. Oh right. Uh, yeah. So that's that's interesting. So uh, yeah, well done uh, to Adam for for smashing that. And then the female winner was. Pass. I did have it, and it's gone. While you look that up, just I want just on the men's race, really, uh, really good to see Luke Trainer have a strong run there, sixth place. So you you would hope the selectors will take Luke. Do you think so? I think is, it, I mean Luke's Luke's. I mean again we've had Luke on the show. We um, have. Yeah. So again, check check SoundCloud and search <laughs> yes. for his name and <laughs> not Spotify, SoundCloud. So on the so yeah so Luke I think I hope he goes because uh, Luke we've you know Luke talked when he actually when we spoke to him and then even towards the end of the year last year he was talking quite a big game against about cross country so it was good to see him 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 competing and really mixing it with those quick guys um, he described it on his Instagram or his Twitter as a bit of a rust buster so you, you would hope there's more to come there um, in terms of the women's result have you got it Jenny Nesbitt. Sorry, yeah. it was in the wrong it was it was in a different report so I'm I'm checking the Athletics Weekly. Uh, roundup. So she's the Welsh champion, and yeah, she she did pretty well. You know, I, I think um, who was second? Well, what is interesting is who was third, Kyle. Mary McLennan. Yeah, unbelievable. Right. That is a yeah. fantastic run for Mary. That's I think that's um, I think that that kind of hopefully um, settles the tears after the disappointment she had at the national cross country championships. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really good. Oh, fantastic! Really good to see her. Beating. I know. Like, you know, she's beating Kate Avery there. She's beating Jess Judd. You know, really, uh, really stepping up. Um, yeah. Fanta- absolutely fantastic, from Mary. So she's surely going to the World Cross, which will be ah. an amazing achievement for her. You know, and another British vest for her. 
you know, I certainly, you know, as a, as a senior as well. And, um, and, you know, she's, she's an amazing athlete. And I think, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you can have a bad day, you know, and, and, and she's absolutely nailed the, when it matters in terms of the intercounty, you know, getting a GB vest for the World Cross Country Championships, I think is phenomenal. So, yeah, congratulations, Mary, for a phenomenal result. And again, we've had Mary on the show. Uh, so listen, uh, Mary, I think it was maybe one of the earlier episodes, episode 16 was, or something yeah. like that. God, we've had so many athletes on the show, Tom. It's uh, we've we've worked hard for these listeners. We so. Well, actually, so if you look at the intercounties, there was four TRS interviewees running. So obviously, Cameron was uh, Cameron Strachan was running for the East of Scotland, and he finished. Uh, he had, I think, Cameron's. It was a end a tough race at the end of a long cross country season for him. But yeah, four interviewees TRS on the on the start at, list. That's really at, good. Look at that, eh? We should we should get them an, an honorary pair of tartan running <laughs> shorts. Yeah. Oh dear. Right. So that, I think that rounds up the results for this weekend. Well, before uh, we move on, I just wanted one thing we we forgot to cover last week, and I'm really annoyed because it's a great event and it's a real club event. Is the Alan Scally Road Relays? Now I'm not going to go in. I'm not going to go into it in a huge amount of detail, but just uh, it was won by the Yellow Train that is Central AC. So they were. I mean, it's a four by five k really, uh, and. I think you're hosted by Shettleston Harriers. I ran it once when I was at uni. And so Central AC men's team for the win in 1 hour 1.47. Second place, Shettleston Harriers A team 102.40. So about four, about a minute back. And then third place, Enemy University here in Hounds A team in 103.21. So another like 30 sec, uh, 40 seconds back. So um, yeah, really cool event. And uh Really good to see that that's um, it's still going strong. Centrally, see coming off the back of their big win at the national nine in a row. Women's side, it was Shettleston Harriers women's A team for the win in one hundred nine fifty five. Second place was Central Senoritas women, who I assume is the Central AC's women's team in uh, one eleven eleven. Nice and uh, nice, a nice time there. All the all the ones, eh? All the ones. Legs eleven. Legs eleven. <laughs> And then third place was Glasgow Uni Team 4 Women. Now, who knows whether that's their fourth team or what, but they were third, and they were 73-28 for third place. So, yeah, really good one. And I am I really want to get a Metro team down for that um, next year. And the result, unfortunately, the results don't have individual names. I've got the leg splits, but not the names. So, yeah, one for, one for us next year, and one for if your club didn't do it and you fancy a cool road relay, maybe to warm up for the road relays, then uh, keep an eye out next year for the Alan Scally Road Release. Maybe they're not putting a name on it because of all the the things they were saying about everyone last week. No one wants about... to put their, na- their names on results anymore. Because <laughs> what was what was that one we were talking about in Edinburgh? We're just looking at people's names and just telling people. Oh yeah, you were. Oh. I'm not that. <laughs> so... We we. we yeah. What I what we, I say what I say you uh you, you have to say yeah as true well. yeah we are a team yeah anyway exactly. so I just wanted to throw that one in there a wee result shout out sorry for the the delay we missed that last week so can I uh, can I move on yet go for it it's all yours I don't, know, I don't know what to move on to but I think this is a a great a great time to not listen to Tom's boring voice anymore and listen to someone someone who's more interesting. <laughs> I'm only joking, Tom. So, uh, Tom's... 
so you've obviously who's your new friend then? Tell us all about so, your new friend, Kyle. <laughs> you can't you can't make me do this. You can't. <laughs> I, I'm so bad at pronouncing names. Uh, Adaranand, Finn. So I'm not. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go straight into it now. So take it away. Take it away, Kyle. <laughs> okay, so we have Adaran and Finn on the show on Tartan Running Short. So welcome, Adaran. And did I pronounce your name right this time? <laughs> uh, we did a we did a practice run, didn't we? And you got it perfectly, but this time I'm afraid no. uh, not so well. But oh, it's Adaranand. 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 Apologies. <laughs> I think I had about five cha- chances there, but there is an ongoing joke in the show about my pronunciation. So I'm sure the the show be a lot better than my pronunciation that's for sure so um yeah so thanks again for coming to the show so um you're the author of running with the, with the kenyans which is a sunday Times sports book of the year um a few years ago so that's an amazing accomplishment a great book uh, you're also one of the editor of, uh, of the guardian one of the editors and a freelance journalist and you've gone you've come on to immerse yourself in various running cultures such as Kenya and Japan uh, and you're also a former cross-country runner yourself and yeah. I think you now compete with Torbay C in Devon, is that correct? Yeah, well, sort of. I, ha- I have been running with Torbay C but there's been a slight uh, slight thing I won't necessarily get into. Okay, <laughs> no, we will get into that. I'm not running for them anymore. Yeah, okay. Um, and you've also... politics. Yeah. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with me, I should say. It's my training group's right. issue. I just I'm guilty by default, so we're uh, we're changing running club or something. Okay, yeah. So I'm sure some of the listeners have heard of you, but in fact, most of them have probably heard of you. You book running with the Kenyans. It's highly recommended to read. Um, you've also uh, recently, a couple of years ago, wrote the book The Way of the Runner. Um, it's uh, a, a journey in, into the life of Japanese running as well, and and more recently. Um, you, you there's another book on the on your way which i'm sure you'll you'll chat about uh, as well so so yeah, yeah other than that if you could just tell us a little bit more uh, about you and and you know how you how you came into running and uh, your experiences and, uh, rather than me rambling on all the time yeah okay <laughs> well i mean i so i was i'm sorry i'm 40 40 i think i'm 44 at the moment uh, somewhere around there uh, so, so many moons ago i was uh yeah, as a junior, I was a keen cross-country runner around the English schools. I was county county champion in the cross-country, uh, but uh, got to about 17, 18 and just went to university and, and got distracted going to other things. And, and pretty much, I'd always, I'd always kind of run a bit here and there, but I competed a couple of times for, I think I ended up living in London. Uh, competed for a running club in London maybe twice. I remember running the London Championships and coming nearly last, the London Cross Country Championships, and thinking, yeah, I've come, I've come down, I've fallen a long way uh, since my heady days of being county champion. Uh, yeah. okay. But then when I was about 35, 36, I guess some people might call it a bit, you know, that age where a lot of people suddenly think, what the hell am I doing with my life? I got back into running. Uh, and luckily for me, I managed to turn running uh, kind of into my job because obviously a lot of people struggle to fit the training in and everything. But I started writing articles initially for Runners World magazine. I was starting to do race reports. But then I just had this idea. My, my sister-in-law lived in Kenya and she kept telling me to come and do this marathon in Kenya. And I'd always had this fascination with the Kenyan runners 
just why they were so good and and also you never really seem to hear that much about them apart from the, the results you'd see them winning but you didn't i didn't have no clue what their lives were like uh so i tried to find a book about it and there wasn't one and i just okay. thought well i'm a journalist i like running maybe i should go and <laughs> go and write this book and then when i proposed it to some uh publishers and editors they they loved it so i got a, i got an advance to go out there and so ever since then, I've been writing and running and writing, and I've, I ended up running about six or seven marathons in the end. Uh, I went to live in Japan, spent six months. So I spent six months in Kenya, six months in Japan, writing my second book about Ekiden running and, and the Japanese, the whole Japanese scene, which is completely, to a lot of people, is completely unknown, but it's yeah. it's completely insane. I mean, there's such a high level of uh, road running out there. And so many, so many professional runners. I mean, there's style, there's a, I worked it out about one and a half thousand full-time professional athletes in right, Japan, which is compared to any other country apart from perhaps Kenya. But in Kenya, they're not really they're full-time professional athletes, but a lot of them don't actually make any money. Whereas yeah. in Japan, these are all people earning good money from running. So it's a very evolved scene. So I wrote about that. That was my second book, The Way of the Runner. And then, and then I got lured into the uh the world i always swore i would never go to <laughs> the world of ultra running <laughs> amazing say uh, i never thought i would i was going to go into ultra running here um it's uh yeah. it must be something to it must be a, a magnetic yeah. field or something who knows <laughs> well it, it's there isn't it and if you're running marathons people are like oh yeah and there's this race that i mean i can't remember even remember the first races uh that came on my on my field of vision i think the utmb which is the race i ended up running last uh, last year that that I kind of became aware of that quite early on and thought that sounded not so much in terms of running but just sounded like such an epic adventure and yeah. that was what drew me into it initially was the adventure of it all I I got asked luckily being a being a journalist who can run I get offered uh, trips to go and run races and, and someone asked me to go and run the Oman Desert Marathon which was a, a stage ultra run was that part of the the UTMB? Is it a man by your UTMB? Is that? Is that oh, it it was before that race came out. It was a, a few years ago. Okay. Uh, I think it's still running. It's just called the Oman Desert Marathon. But I know the UTMB have now set up a very similar race in Oman. But this yeah. was a different one. But but probably very similar. They they build it as MDS light, like an easier version because it was shorter stages. But All right, it okay. turns out a few of the runners. And so I thought, well, that can't be that hard, you know it's just it was about average of about 25k a day for six days i thought well, i can easily run that yeah 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 and then i got there and it was all on soft soft sand oh. like like proper soft sand on the beach on the sand dune and and hilly as well so sand dunes and it absolutely killed me uh and anyways i did it because i was i was writing about it and 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 actually after that i was like, i'm never doing never doing an ultra run again <laughs> but then you know it's like i'm sure every every ultra runner knows the thing you finish the race you swear you're never doing it again a week later you're thinking maybe two weeks later you're kind of looking for the next race so yeah uh, you said you're doing utmb this this year i am and, yeah yeah um, I, mean, I, I remember when I finished UTMB, this sounds crazy, and, and it was a very fleeting thought. It was probably for about half an hour. But I actually remember having this thought that I would rather cut my hand off 
than run the UTMB. Oh God! <laughs> but then, like, then within a, within a few hours, I said, "No, that's ridiculous. That's not true." And then, and then, and then, I, I like within a few weeks, I was like, "Well, maybe I could go back and do like the CCC or something like a shorter yeah. version." Still get the feel but like don't do something quite as stupid as the utmb and now when i hear people are doing it like you're doing it i'm like actually a little bit jealous i'm like god they're gonna go through that whole adventure yeah yeah so what, what did you enjoy about it then what, what were the I, I say enjoy i mean obviously you're yeah. wanting to cut your hand off at the end but yeah. <laughs> what, what was the what makes you want to to go back and and go back to it i just think you you i mean it depends. It's funny because the one I only, I did like about ten ultra runs, and only one of them I got right. And at the time, it was the only one I really enjoyed. Uh, it was the Lavaredo Ultra in Italy, and it's oh, seventy-eight yeah. miles in the mountains, in the Dolomite Mountains. And at the time, that was the most enjoyable run. I felt it was the only run where I never had a real crisis, where I wanted to give up, where I wanted to stop. I just felt fairly strong the whole way. But now looking back, it doesn't really stand out in my in my big memories as as one of the highlights of the of the whole experience. It's almost like those moments where you're really really struggling, when you're really in what a lot of ultra runners, particularly American ultra runners, like to call the pain cave. When you're in this place <laughs> yeah. where you just can't see a way out, but then when you kind of come through that and you come out of it, it's quite a, a euphoric uh, experience. And you also also becomes kind of strangely peaceful. So I had this point in the UTMB where I was without giving the the, the game away because it's kind of the climax of the book where I'm I'm a hundred percent sure I'm dropping out, and then something happens to keep me going. And then once I come through that point where I just think I can't carry on, it just becomes quite kind of peaceful. And I got to the point where when I started getting near to Chamonix and I knew I was going to make it and I was coming down the last hill, I was actually a bit disappointed that I was, it was going to be over soon. Oh, really? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to be like that at the end. Well, if I am, then, yeah, well, that's great. But I, I, I do know what you mean in terms of the whole experience. And I think everyone I speak to, and this is what's drawn me to, to the UTMB, is just the whole, regardless of where you are in the race, it's just phenomenal landscape and just yeah. the atmosphere and the the crowds you know I, I think what are the crowds like there are they yeah I mean because it's funny I didn't really intentionally do it like this but most of the races I did were quite small local races wherever they were they were in different parts of the world but most of the ones I did didn't have that and so when I got to UTMB yeah I was it was like wow this is so much this is like a, it was almost like a like a you know like a big city race but in the mountains and yeah. just you go through all these villages and seems like all the kids are out they're all ringing the cowbells you know there's, there's the the aid stations are full of people everyone's so supportive you yeah. just it just feels great and uh and yeah and the landscapes are just epic sometimes you you know you're not paying any attention to it you're too fixed on your own struggle and then you just stop and look up you're like whoa you know <laughs> and then you realize it's just regardless of the struggle it's kind of a privilege to be to just to be yeah, out there yeah yeah yeah. To be able to spend that time out there in in and you get completely if you're hiking I, I remember one I think it was a yeah it was a guy called Carl Eglov who not many people have heard of but he is actually one of the greatest mountain runners out there yeah. he's he's broken he's got the records up Kilimanjaro uh, Mount Elbrus uh, Denali he's like got uh, six or seven of the the biggest mountains in in certain continents he's he's, he's and he's broken killing Jornet's records of them all anyways yeah. regardless of that 
he he once said the difference between like running through the mountains like that and, and like going out hiking with you know with all of the gear it's like he said it's like being being like a condor well he was from the andes he's from ecuador rather okay. than being like a pack horse so rather than kind of struggling around with all this stuff you're just being light and quick and that that that's if you're as good as him perhaps <laughs> <laughs> it's all well and good saying that isn't it but when you're when you're out there I, i'm the I'm, I'm sure you're the same as well you know when you're when you're going out for a run you, you envisage you feeling light in your feet and when you get out yeah. you actually oh my god this is Feel yeah. so heavy, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when you exactly. Fit, you exactly. Fit, yeah. I mean, that's the idea, and that's what you're shooting at. But yeah, the reality can be can be quite, quite yeah. different. <laughs> so but weirdly, just... so this race in Italy, I did. I mean, I wouldn't say you know it was. It's all relative, but I did feel fairly. I don't know what what happened there. I just just I just got it right. Well, I do know. I do know what happened actually. There was this. I kind of realised. So for me, and a lot of people disagree, I've written, I've written about this in The Guardian, I got a lot of comments saying, no, I could never do that, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But I realised that, so, and lots of ultra runners, I, part of my story, my book is partly my own personal adventure and, and my story of going into these races, but it's also about the people uh, I meet along the way, including the top ultra runners and, and whoever I meet, all sorts of people. So it's, it's not just my story, it's everyone else's yeah. story. And lots of the ultra runners... They all say to you, you know, stay in the moment, just run the mile you're in, be be present, don't think about how far you've got to go. So I was really trying to do that, and that made a lot of sense. But the problem is, you, I found you can't do that because you, I keep looking at my watch, going, oh my God, I've still got like 60 miles to go, I've still got 50 miles to go. And it, every time you look at your watch, it would, that number was always bigger than you were expecting. Yeah. And it would always be like a, a body blow, I felt like, you know, just, oh, God, so Lord. <laughs> and it would take the wind out of my sails. So I realized that the only way you can run the mile you're in is to not know what mile you're in. It's just to turn your watch off. And then you just got, you're in this kind of perpetual motion where you're just moving. And you just know that as long as you're moving and you're moving comfortably and as swiftly as you can within, without killing yourself, you're going to get there. And you don't think about where you are. And then you don't have that doesn't you can get that you might or maybe some people can just do that run the mile in even with the watch on but i just yeah. couldn't and i i found like so that was my big secret okay that's interesting to, to know then. that's my, my my biggest tip to anyone but then i know that that probably wouldn't work for everybody but yeah for and do you find you know when you're when you're going out are you what are you what are you racing it or are you are you just trying to complete it or <laughs> comfortably so that's that's one one thing for me i mean that if, if I'm going, to, I'm I'm I've got a racing head on, but really yeah. for ultra run, ultra running, sometimes you, you really need to strip it back and go, look, I need to complete this as easy yeah. as I can, and therefore if I can do that or as comfortably as I can, then the chances are I'm going to be much faster than if I was to race it. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely came from like if I if I run a, I mean, I'm not a brilliant runner, but a 34 minute 10k runner. So yeah. if I run a local 10k or even a half marathon. Probably thinking about racing. Yeah, yeah, probably okay. thinking, looking around at the other people. I could get top ten here. I could get top five. Yeah. And so I kind of went into the ultra running with that, that head on, thinking, oh, you know, not not to win, but maybe top twenty here. Maybe I could get top ten. Okay. And I came up short quite dramatically in each one, and uh, I realised by the end that yeah, you really more than more even than any other, than a shorter distance, you've got to run your own race. I mean, maybe if you're Killian Journey and, and Jim Walsey, you're kind of looking at the rivals. But unless you're at that level, I think the carnage at the end of an ultra run is so huge. And, and 
like I'll say I think I did about ten races of nine of them. I was one of those. Okay. Carnage on the side <laughs> of the road, sitting there as everyone runs by. But you can make up so much ground if you're still moving relatively well at the end of an ultra, and you're just gonna. I mean, Damien Hall is a good friend of mine, and and he, uh, you know, he's done incredibly well in UTMB purely by basically not being one of those people who goes off racing with the leaders, just yeah. going off. I mean, he's a great runner, obviously, yeah. but he comes through and I think I think in, in a, the longer the race goes the, the better that tactic's going to be where you just focus on yourself and you focus on making sure you're going to get you're going to be, still be moving fairly well in those last 10-15 miles I think if you're doing that you're going to do as well as you could possibly do because you think you, it feels so easy that's the problem with the pace with ultra running at the beginning yeah. if you're running a 100 mile race it feels so easy at the beginning but you just got to you just got to not get carried Be away. And, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good advice. So, kind of going back a little bit from the UTMB in, in the run-up, you I think you competed in a, a twenty-four hour track race. Um, yeah. So talking about sort of pace, how how was it to to run a twenty-four hour track race? Yeah, that that was a fascinating race. I did the Tooting twenty-four hour race uh, in London. Uh, it's funny because whenever I tell people about that race, uh, particularly non-runners, they, they're just like, oh, that must be so boring to still get around a track for 24 hours. But to the biggest challenge, and, and people have said, oh, you know, so the organizers are telling me, you know, when you're racing in the mountains, it's like you're trying to conquer the mountains, but here there's nothing to conquer because you're just on a track. But for me, the biggest challenge was that, because that idea that, like when you're running an ultra, normally, as long as you're moving you're getting towards the finish you, yeah. you, and the faster you move the quicker you're going to get to the finish and I realized that was a driving force in a lot of the ultras I just you know, I wanted to get to that finish because that's your body you're so tired you just want to get there yeah and so you think well I go a bit quicker I'll get there quicker if I can move properly that, and that's a real driver well with a 24-hour race because it's time you can sit down for 10 minutes and you're still getting towards the finish yeah. so then you think oh well I'll do a lap but I'll sit down again for 10 minutes <laughs> There's no real incentive to go as fast as you can from that on that level. If yeah. you're, and I quite quickly was not kind of. I guess that's why a lot of uh, track runners and uh, uh, these kind of races they have goals like 100 miles or 120 miles. I didn't really go into it with one of those goals. I just thought I'll I'll run for 24 hours and see what I do. And so I found that a real struggle because I the the, the finish was coming towards me whether I moved or not, and I spent a lot of time sitting down <laughs> thinking well <laughs> i don't need to keep moving yeah. uh not, not you know this is like after 16 hours i don't want to give the impression i just gave up straight away i mean i ran, yeah. I ran and i and i kept going and actually had a real revival and I, and I did i did okay i mean i kept running to the end uh so that that was interesting the other interesting thing is because everything's in such a small space <clears throat> you get to know the other people not just the other runners but the other crews and okay. the, and the at that race they have uh, everything's all the laps are counted manually so you have these people sitting there the whole 24 hours counting your laps so you get to know them quite well and yeah. these real relationships develop which is which is quite an amazing experience actually yeah. my wife who was crewing me on that on that run uh she doesn't she it was kind of the first race she'd crewed on and the whole idea of standing by a track for 24 hours and i said like i really need someone to help me would you do it and she's like oh god that sounds terribly boring <laughs> and I was well you come for a few hours then you go off 
Um, you know, stay somewhere, come back maybe for an hour in the night, check I'm okay, and then go back and then come back in the morning. And so that was the plan. Or, or we also brought a sleeping bag for the back of the car. She could lie down the, the back seats and sleep in there. And in the event, even though she's really not that interested in running, she spent the whole 24 hours glued to the race. She said she just couldn't take her eyes off it. She found really? it really gripping, which right. even now to me and to us, if we say that now, sounds a bit like, really? Is that what it was like? But the whole kind of experiences, people are going through real kind of almost life-changing experiences right there in front of you. And it's quite an amazing thing, I think, to witness. And she said she found it really moving and she just didn't want to miss anything. She could see people struggling and then reviving and then, you know, all these dramas playing out right in front of her. So, and, and there's a race as well, you know. It's, uh, I, I, I suppose it would be quite interesting. I'm, I'm, I've just recently uh, been picked for the, the Scottish team for the 100k championships. Oh, right. British, okay. British championships. Is that on the track? Or? Uh, it's on, it's a 2.3k loop um, right. and it's in Perth in Scotland. Yeah. And, uh, and um, yeah, I've, I've been asking a couple of people, like, you know, how how do you cope with running around that, you know, looped, a looped track that's, uh, or a looped, you know, a looped course that's only very short, um, but they said, you know, you, you, a lot of the time you just switch off and you, you don't actually, you're in the, you're, you're a bit like what you said, you know, you're, you're in the moment, you know, and you're living that yeah. mile and that, that lap, so. I'll, I'll exactly. I didn't. It. I didn't find it. You're kind of constantly <clears throat> thinking about, you know, do I need to eat? Do I need to, you know, go to the bathroom? There's so many. There's so many things going on. I mean, initially, because you're feeling. I mean, maybe if you're competing internationally, this won't be the case. But like, I was chatting to the other runners for the first five or six hours. I mean, they they pass quite quickly. You'll just chat with each other, and because you're not running at a. Well, we weren't at a particularly fast pace. Yeah. Pace. Even even the top. You know, the top guys in those runs could probably chat at the pace they're going at, and it, and it helps pass the time. Uh, and then, like you say, and like I say, you're passing your crew, so your crew, you know, they, they can be, it's like you're getting a bit of encouragement quite regularly. And uh, you can say, yeah, like I'm going to eat something in two laps, and then those two laps can go quite quick. It's, it's weird, time and distance kind of morph. Yeah. So, I mean, if I if I thought now I was going to go and run out, go off and run around the track even for an hour, I'd probably think that was stupidly boring. But <laughs> I don't know. And somehow the I guess the fact that it's a race and that it's set up as a challenge and you just get into a different mindset where you're not. I don't know. I didn't get bored anyway. I found there was enough things to keep me keep me going. Changing shoes, you know, changing socks. <laughs> All the, all the wee bit, yeah. Terrible, boring, I know, but it's incredible things to, to, yeah, incredible things to think about. I mean, one thing that I always ask, you know, especially ultra runners, and is what sort of fuel do you take when you when you're doing long events? Yeah, I never really nailed the fuel. I'm not sure I should be giving advice on it. <laughs> I, I mean, on on most of the runs, <clears throat> I I kind of there were certain things I found dates worked quite well for me. <clears throat> and uh, uh, crystallized ginger, I, I took. But in most of the races, I used the aid stations. I I didn't have. I had my wife crewing, but she would be at one or two points in a race usually. Okay. Uh, on the twenty-four hour track race, I just brought a whole load of stuff that because I'd go off for like a four-hour run. I'd bring. I used to on my my training runs. I used to love peanut butter and jam sandwiches, but. 
eight or ten hours into a run, that's a completely different story. And none of my training runs were, were that long. Yeah. So things I thought worked well for me because they worked on a four-hour run weren't working in in an ultra. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I remember in the in the a lot of the races, things that really worked were soups, but I, I they were things that was I was just finding at the aid station. But because you didn't have to chew them, and you were still getting the goodness, and also the heat was quite good. Yeah. So <clears throat> in in the UTMB they have these uh, kind of noodle soups. And they're, they're great. Uh, I did a race in Wales and they had just, it was just tomato soup, but it was quite a thick tomato soup. And it, I remember that just tasted great. But then weird things, they had like one morning in, it was, I did this race, the Ring of Fire in Anglesey. Oh yeah, they, yeah, okay. They had these, the Sunday morning, the first checkpoint was like in this kind of cafe with like bacon butties and sausage rolls and stuff. And I, I just, I'd been just eating like energy bars and, and the thought of that was like oh, I'm not sure I could I can handle that I'm vegetarian but they had veggie ones as well right, but okay. I took one anyway and I started eating it my god it tasted amazing and it's not something I tried before but it really helped me at that point <clears throat> so but yeah but my my expertise in uh, fueling is is not good to say the least no, fair, fair <laughs> enough then yeah well, well we'll keep it's I think it's definitely important to try whatever works for for, for anyone you know for everyone I mean I, I still haven't nailed it but I do like to hear the accounts of whatever people are taking and yeah I remember doing a run with uh, Robbie Britton and and that was one of the first training runs I did and they were he was making all these interesting rice balls of so rice mixed with I can't remember it was even chocolate and raisins and things and so he you know I, I think if you're a serious guy I mean I should have been doing that I, I was but like I, I like I say I, I would try stuff on a on a four-hour run yeah okay it seemed to work fine uh-huh. and then I get out I had like I'd always end my ultra runs with squashed peanut butter sandwiches in my bag still because <clears throat> 12 hours into the run I take them out and go oh god I can't face that <laughs> it was <laughs> a good idea in the training oh. run, but not so much now yeah, yeah. well that kind of steers me on to you know talking about some of the experiences that you, you've you know you've been to so you went out in for um a good a good couple of years is that is that correct when i was writing the book i went there for six months so we lived we lived there we we rented a house in the town i actually went took my three small children and my wife came we we settled down my kids went to the local school uh but it was a six-month trip but i've since been back i do a I do a kind of two-week training uh, camp every summer uh, and so I go I, so I go back and I get this the same we kind of live the whole experience of the book in two weeks so we have the same for those who read the book there's a uh, characters like Godfrey and Jaffa who people will know yeah. get involved in the running camp they they there are guides and we we do lots of the things I did in the book <clears throat> obviously over six months things did get quite repetitive you end up doing the same runs week after week so it's so yeah so I've, I've been there a lot but uh yeah the book the initial book was was a six month exploration and I went from being it was kind of quite early in my my running rebirth so I I I still had never run a marathon when I went out there I'd done a half marathon in one hour 30 <clears throat> yeah. and so my plan was to come back and run a sub three hour marathon which which I which I did manage. So. Yeah. Okay. So so what was what was it like? Did you, in terms of diet and things like that? I, I hear there's a thing. Is it Ugali? Is that you? Is that the name of the? Yeah. Food there? 
Well, it's funny if you if you ask a Kenyan runner why are Kenyans so good at running, they'll, they'll either give you one of two answers. I find in, in in my experience, one is you know because we ran to school as kids, we ran to school, six you know five kilometers home, five kilometers back at lunchtime, five kilometers back to school, and we were training. They'll say that, or they'll say, oh Ugali, Ugali, <laughs> okay. and I think it's just they look. So Ugali is this meal, it's basically maize flour and water, which is a very basic food that uh, kind of is made into a kind of doughy lump, which you then eat with, uh, which they tend to eat with kale, uh, stewed kale, which most of the camps, the training camps grow themselves. So it's fresh, organic, uh, stewed kale and Ugali, and they have that every day, pretty much. Right, okay. At least at least six days a week. <laughs> there was Jeez. one training camp I was in where they had a menu on the wall, uh, and it it was completely pointless because it was the same food every day: <laughs> beans and rice for lunch, and ugali and kale, which they call sukumi wiki. Uh, so ugali and kale for dinner, and that was it right. every day on the menu. Like Monday, Tuesday, and I said, you, you didn't need that, did you? <laughs> but but they'll say, yeah, they look around, they see we ugali, no one else does. That must be why we're so good at running. So they, uh, yeah, quite often the Kenyan Kenyans claim it as their secret, but to be honest, it's just uh, it's just a simple carbohydrate. Uh, it's it's good fuel if you're if you're an athlete. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's nothing special to no. be honest. It doesn't I, I, taste very exceptional either. Yeah, I think as well. I mean, you know, how can you know one thing be the the answer to the, the, yeah. the success of of the performances in Kenya? And um, so, what what do you think it is? And I mean, I think you mentioned some of the accounts in your book. Do you think it's a combination of things, or do you think it's the training ethic, or what, what would you? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge combination of things, and a lot of things which you just can't <coughs> replicate, and, and wouldn't even want to replicate. So, obviously, altitude is, is a factor. All the runners come from the altitude areas. Uh, another thing is the poverty. I mean, the, the fact that running is such a lucrative uh, outlet for people there. I mean, they really run as a job. They, they they don't fun run. There's nobody running just, you know, to keep fit or just because they want to run a sub three hour marathon. If you if you can't get a race and and win and earn money, then you don't do it. And it's quite interesting because I was trying to convince some of the Kenyans to uh to take up ultra running. Okay. Yeah. And the first question is always, what's the prize money? Well, ultra running works in a slightly different way because most races, <clears throat> even the UTMB, I mean. This was the first year they had prize money, but most of the races, like even a big race like the Western States in the US, one of the biggest ultra runs in the world, most lucrative in terms of prestige, has zero prize money. So the Kenyans were completely confused by this, Uh, and obviously lots of these things like the 24-hour races have no prize money, because for them it's a job. It's like I'm I'm doing this to earn money, and that's a big driver for them because they're coming from poverty, and so they can change. The kind of money which perhaps for a, a European runner or an American runner is not life-changing. I mean, it's and if you win, I mean, we we'd be quite happy to win two hundred pounds in a race. Yeah. Let alone, you know, if we could win a big race, we'd win two, three thousand pounds. But even if we won that, it's not going to change our lives. Three thousand pounds. But a Kenyan can go back to Kenya with three thousand pounds, and suddenly he's gone from scraping the barrel to being a man who can buy a bit of land. Mm-hmm. Does one more race like that, you can buy a house. 
you know, he, he can change his life. And if you win the London Marathon or even something like the Paris Marathon, you know, suddenly you're, you're, you're pretty much made for life out there. So, and, and there's so much success, uh, so many success stories around in a short, in a small area that everybody's inspired. They see that guy in the next village or the guy down the road. When you walk through a town with somebody who knows the runners, it's incredible. Oh, that guy won that marathon. That guy won that marathon. That guy, you know, was world champion. That guy was. That's yeah, incredible. It's like yeah. they're everywhere. I mean, if you're not knowledgeable on Kenyan runners, you, you could walk through and just think it's a normal Kenyan town. Yeah. Wow. wow that's amazing. Yeah, <clears> but it's very that... inspiring for the for the young runners who come to the town because they see these guys are just like me, <clears throat> and also these guys are very uh, welcoming. They have these big training groups and they'll just, you know, if you, as a young Kenyan or even as a, you know, European, I would turn up at these groups in the morning and they just say, yeah, come and run with us. Anyone can run these groups. Some of the big ones like Wilson Kipsang, I used to run with his group and because he was doing so well and he became a world record holder, his group was growing in size. So his morning run would have 200 people on it. Oh, that's he amazing. Just like, <clears throat> sure, okay, come and join us. You know, and then, then the good ones would kind of still be there at the end of the run. And then he'd look at them and go, yeah, you seem like you can run. And he would be supportive. He'd give them some trainers. He'd give them some running kit. He'd say, come to a track session tomorrow. <coughs> so there's a real community spirit there. So even though there's no lottery funding, there's no the federation in Kenya is, is useless. There's there's nobody really supporting them. They really support each other, which is uh, another factor. I mean, there's so many factors that that go into into play. There's their whole mindset. They've got an amazing mindset when it comes to running. They don't they don't put huge pressure on themselves. They've got this amazing ability to be confident without being arrogant and without putting stress on themselves. They just seem to have this. <clears throat> innate belief that if they're Kenyan and they go to a race, they're going to win <laughs> simply yeah. by the fact that that's, they're Kenyan. Yeah, we're just coming to the race to win it and to do really well, and that, that's it. Um, so and they approach every, every race, which is quite interesting in Kenya because every every runner approaches every race planning to win it. Yeah. So it means that you get a big cross country race with 400 people in the race. Every one of those people think they're going to win. So the first mile is insane because even the slowest of those 400 people is going to run you know, a sub five minute first mile and so it's just like an incredible stampede now a lot of these people are completely not going to win the race <laughs> and so two miles in they're yeah. completely dead and they're either <laughs> jogging at crazy you know like 10 minute mile pace or they yeah. just drop out yeah. but they all start like they're going to win which is an interesting no, no they don't care about not finishing it's just I'm either going to win or I'm not going to win and, and that's an interesting whole interesting dynamic as yeah. well and what, what about, you know, the, the training behind them then? They, they've got easy runs and, and, you know, how fast are they doing the easy runs? I've, I've heard <coughs> stories, they go off really easy and um, yeah. they take their runs really easy and they take their sessions really, you know, really seriously and, and hard. Is, is that the case? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's really interesting because they've just kind of evolved this way of running, which was initially set up by the British when they, when they kind of were, were in charge of Kenya. <laughs> Uh, and they've kind of evolved it just through instinct and through copying everybody else and everybody else. So there's kind of almost everybody does the same thing, but it really, it seems to bear, you know, a lot of the scientific papers and, and, and analysis that I look at seems to back up what they're doing. And, and so, yeah, they do their easy runs easy and that can be, 
I mean, <clears throat> absolute fastest would be like seven and a half minute mile pace. But uh, quite often I've run with, you know, two or two, well, two or three marathon runners who who do their easy run at ten minute mile pace. You know, you be, like I'm I'm kind of struggling to go that slow. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> and then the hard the speed work is done. They do a lot of not a lot of speed work, but when the speed work's done, it's done. Yeah, very high quality. It was interesting because in Japan. There's a real contrast with the training because in Japan they do huge amounts of mileage at this kind of middle area where it's it's at a good pace but it's not speed work, and they, but they rarely run slow enough or slow as slow like the Kenyans do and and the results although the results are very good in Japan they don't the the whole dynamic was fascinating because there were Kenyans running in Japan. And they would just shake their heads at the Japanese training and go, "What these guys? What are they doing?" If they, one guy said to me, he said, "If if the Japanese train like the Kenyans, they'd be breaking the world records." Really? Wow. So much talent here. There's so much support for running. Yeah. But the training is crazy. <laughs> and the, the the stupid thing was, the Japanese, they've got all the science. They've got all the the theory behind it. These guys are coming from rural Kenya with just doing it purely instinctively. Yeah. And yet they they've got this confidence that they don't go to Japan and think oh I should start training like these guys because they're you know they're they're more technologically advanced or something <clears throat> they have the confidence in their own training and of course I kept saying to the Japanese guys why don't you like look at these Kenyan guys and think what are they doing and like maybe I'd talk to the coaches and say would you incorporate some of their ideas into your training and they're like oh no those guys are just different they they're different they come from Kenya. They're stronger than us. They're faster than us. Nothing we can do. Uh, and I was just like, well, <laughs> maybe that's not true. And, you know, I always used to think you had like they had almost like in a weird way like a university lecturer level runner in their camp, yeah. and they were treating him like you know an uneducated man. But really, in running terms, these Kenyans really know what they're doing, even if they don't, if, even if it's just instinctive. So yeah, I'm a big fan of the whole Kenyan system. So I do all my easy runs, very easy. I sometimes get uh, comments on Strava about how slow I'm running. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think, well, this is how how slow they run. Yeah. And then yeah, and then they do the hard stuff. <clears throat> they do it hard. They do they do a lot of progression runs where they'll start off very easy, like nine ten minute mile pace. But then by the end, they can be running you know four and a half minute mile pace. It's incredible. Wow. <laughs> And in, in terms of easy runs as well, I mean, the, the training sessions they're doing, and they're, they're doing a lot of easy runs, and is there a lot of volume with the easy runs as well? Then not, it's not excessive. I mean, obviously, they're, they're, it depends on whether they're track runners or marathon runners, but the marathon runners tend to, I mean, nobody's really adding it up, but they, they tend to do like maybe an, an 18K, so like a 12-mile run easy in the morning, uh, maybe three or four times a week. Yeah, okay. and and then probably a short. If they do an easy run in the afternoon, say after a track session, it would usually be a bit shorter. It would be about well, they they do it by time. So they do one hour ten in the morning, uh, say Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and that's that's usually starts off easy and becomes a bit more of a progression run, and then most days, almost every day of the week, they'll do like forty minutes easy in the in the afternoon. Which will be really easy. They're just they're just going out for a chat yeah. or just taking the scenery. I mean, they'll barely be sweating, yeah. and that's their recovery. So they seem to do that. I mean, this is a huge generalization, but it is it is amazing how similar the training 
programs are out there, most people will follow something very similar. And uh, and yeah, so I'd say, so you're looking at five, six, seven, eight, eight easy runs a week, uh, five of them completely easy, and three of them starting off easy and building up to kind of moderate. Yeah. That's that's the general pattern anyway. Okay, and so yeah, so you also spent a good bit of time in in Kenya um, in Japan, where you yeah obviously you've been fairly taken aback by the the contrast there. So what would be the was there any sort of take home take home lessons that you you learnt from the J- Japanese runners? <clears throat> yeah, well, like I say, I learnt a lot of things not to do. <laughs> I think Japanese have this real. And, and and there's a completely different Japanese ultra running scene. I wasn't involved in that at all. I went there to write about the Ekidem runners, who are the professional road runners. And uh, <clears throat> so within that world, there's a, there's an, an, a real aversion to to going anywhere off road at all. And I found that this was this was really interesting because the Kenyans do almost all their training on. I mean, we would call it trail. I mean, for them, they are. It is actually they are actually the roads, but they're dirt roads. So, okay. we would call a trail. So it's it's uneven. It, it's mud rather than concrete. Uh, and the Japanese are the opposite. Everything is on is on is on concrete. And and so I to the extent where sometimes there'd be a, a quite a nice smooth like walking trail next to the road or next to the path, and I'd be like. You know, guys, that's exactly what like the Kenyans would run on. Why, why don't we run on there? Yeah. Oh no, no, no! We don't run on there. We run on the road. We run on the road. Oh really? Why? Uh, but injury rate in in Japan was huge. I mean, while I was there, I spent time with a couple of professional teams, a couple of university teams who are almost more high level in in a, in a bizarre way in Japan than the professional teams. Uh, and the, almost every runner within that six months was either coming back from an injury, got injured, or or you well one of the two uh and it was incredible the injury rate and i would just kept saying you know what about running on the road and on the trails like, no 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 way no way <laughs> whereas the kenyans had the saying only only the white men run on the uh, on the road on the what the, the mzungos is that the right? mzungos, yeah <laughs> oh only mzungos run on the road i mean they do occasionally <laughs> and actually weirdly as i've been going back year after year the, the the more of the roads are being tarmac slowly around the 10. So they're kind of being forced to run a little bit more <clears throat> on concrete, but it's still, it's still probably less than 5% of their running is done on concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I find, I find it aston- astonishing that, you know, the, the, the level of, of elites and the number of elites in Japan, J- you know, in Japan, yeah. and you, you, we don't really hear about them, but they are starting to emerge now compared to before. Um, yeah, well, it is interesting. There has been a <clears throat> there has been a shift since I was there, and it was beginning when I was there, and I write about it quite a lot. There's these, well, at the time I'm talking about new ideas coming through because <clears throat> Japan's a very traditional place, and the running running world was was a very traditional place. And while I was there, there were a couple of young coaches who were trying to bring in really radical ideas like runners should enjoy training yeah <laughs> this is a very radical idea in japan <laughs> training could be fun and that the team could actually you know get on with each other and, and have fun and it wasn't just serious and, and sacrifice and, okay. and self-flagellation so uh-huh. uh, and so these ideas i feel are bearing fruit and then they, there was i i don't know how it happened but there was there was a little bit like one of the coaches i was working with spent a lot of time grilling me over kenya he even got me to give lectures at the university it was a university team 
about the Kenyan training and he seemed completely fascinated by it and his team have started doing very well recently and he said he's going to bring on all these ideas he's going to take his his runners off on trails and they've been really moving up the rankings Uh, and the other the other big impetus in in Japan is the Olympics coming coming along yeah in Tokyo I mean Japan the reason why there is such a amazing runners in Japan is because running is an incredibly serious sport in Japan It's like, in terms of popularity, only baseball is is more popular in Japan. Right, right. So it's more popular than football or or, or even sumo. I mean, ekiden running and and the and the, the big ekiden race, the Hakone ekiden, is is bigger than any other event in in the country, mm-hmm. in terms of people sitting down and watching it. <clears throat> and it's not a mass participation event. It's not <clears throat> like here people will watch the London Marathon because their friend or their neighbour is running it. There, there's 23 teams, or elite runners. Uh, so there's only 23 runners running at a at a certain time, but the whole country watches this race, and right. everybody knows the names of these runners. They're all, you know, they get mobbed if they walk in the street. They're like they're like Premier League football players in in, in England. Yeah. Uh, and and so it's treated with a real seriousness, uh, and so you know it feels like. With that, that's why the Kenyan guy said, if the Japanese train like the Kenyans, they'd win because the support and the level of enthusiasm and and the level of interest in running here is is unrivaled. I mean, even in Kenya, they're not as into running as they are in in Japan. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I didn't even. You know, <laughs> so, so yeah, so that ends up, and I I just felt like just. There's there's other factors as well. There's, a, there's that idea I was talking about how the Kenyans always go to win every race. Yeah. The Japanese have this. <clears throat> almost it's it's kind of tricky because you can't generalize so much about mentality but there's the there's a very famous saying in japan it's the um it's the saying i got told the most times the nail that sticks out gets hammered down okay <clears throat> and there's yeah. also a real sense of responsibility and is these races i've been talking about the ekiden races are are relay races And so what happens is every runner's got a responsibility not just to themselves but to the team, and so both of those things combined means you don't want to take risks, you don't want to okay. do anything stupid, and so the idea of running, you know, twice the pace you think you can actually run, in an effort to win, and then the likelihood of blowing up means nobody's doing that, nobody's taking risks uh-huh. in, in, in Japan. Everybody's running at the pace the coach has set them, told them they can run at, and so what I found is you get hundreds of people running like. Really fast times because that's what the coach has told them to run: 62 minutes, 61 minutes, 63 minutes for half marathon. Yeah. And whereas in Kenya you get like you get like a hundred guys running at like 58 pace, yeah. and like two of them will run 58, yeah. 59. The rest of them will end up running like 70, yeah, you know, because they're blown up. <laughs> But that's that's why you're not getting these stellar results in Japan. But again, that is changing as well with the with the Olympics because suddenly now you've got the goal of being in the Olympic marathon team. <clears throat> so people are starting to think, well, it's, if I want to get in that team, it's it's got to be I've got to I've got to take the chance. I've got to like actually, and it's a much bigger deal for a Japanese guy to kind of risk it. But you know, and and there's been this I don't know if you've heard about the, the if you break the Japanese marathon record, there's a million dollars basically. Uh, Prize and that's been broken twice last wow. year. So that's, that's obviously an incentive as oh, well. Yeah, that's. So what about the you know the professional runners? Did did they get a, a good a Premier League wage or is it you know did they just get 
a normal salary or well it, it, like like I mean, I don't think it's quite Premier League standard, yeah. but they do. Like any sport, the the better you are, the bigger your the yeah. bigger your star status, uh, the more likely you are to 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 draw draw to help your team win. That the you know the more your pay will be. Yeah. So so some of the star runners are obviously very well paid. I I don't think it's anything like yeah you know I'm trying to think of Premier League football. Oh, I have no <laughs> idea. Know, no, no one's earning anything close. To what Messi is earning, yeah. for example. Yeah, but right. but yeah, they and I think as you go down there, I think there's something like I can't remember the number of teams now. Say there were 20 professional teams, you know, the teams that are struggling near the bottom. They those guys are probably on just an office worker salary, mm-hmm. uh, and actually they the, the teams are owned by companies. And and the traditional uh, model in Japan is that they would also have a job in the company at All the right. same time, All until right. they get time off to train for. The running these days, the top teams make their athletes 100% professional, uh, and they occasionally they spawn around the office in their tracksuit, just meeting and greeting the employees. Oh, wow. But they're owned by like Honda have a team, and Toyota have a team, and Konica Minolta have a team. You know, and and these these guys live in company buildings. They have the coaches employed by the company, and they want a salary, which. Which is quite interesting because most runners, even like even someone like Mo Farah, he's basically existing on sponsorship money, appearance money, and prize money. Mm-hmm. He's not getting a salary from a company. He's not an employee of of a, of a running company. Yeah. So these guys, there's obviously advantages and disadvantages to that. But they, if they get injured, they're still getting paid. They've got contracts to you know five year contract or whatever, yeah, like a okay. football player. You know, a football player can be injured for two years. He's still going to be looked paid. after. They're going to be paid so so it's a, in a way there's a bit more security to it even if the numbers aren't you know probably i'm sure mo farah is earning a lot more than than the top japanese runner with his sponsorships but he's got to stay healthy and he's got to stay keep winning to to maintain that so it's a slightly different system but it, yeah it's it's a it's a fascinating it changes the dynamic a little bit because then also they're they're told which races to run by the team rather than it's just up to them yeah. it's, it's no longer their decision if they want to run the Tokyo Marathon. It has to fit in with the team's program and everything else. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is why you get people like Yuki. So the famous, most famous runner is Yuki Kauchi. Everyone's uh, heard of him, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's, he's particularly interesting because he's up and at the time, I mean, there's one or two others who have started to copy example, but he's one of the few Japanese owners who didn't join one of these teams intentionally because he wanted to maintain control over his training he wanted to maintain control over his racing i mean he races all the time no other japanese runner would be allowed to do that because okay. they're part of the team so he was uh he had a he had a job famously until until recently i think he's about any day now about to finish his job and, and become a full-time athlete okay but yeah it's interesting there's a whole world of of Japan, Japanese running, which is is like unlike anything else in in the world, and, and it's brilliant in a way. Uh, it just changes everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that's incredible. So, in terms of the books of the way of the runner, I take it's uh, you know a lot of the accounts that you've you've told us about. Is that is that within the book itself? Or yeah, so the way of the runner. I mean, I, I kind of see primarily see it as a bit of an adventure story i mean it yeah. it's also a journalistic journey into ultra running so i i interview lots of the top runners other that you know it's such a new sport and it, it, it exists on so many different levels as well you've got the mountain trail running then you've got 
races like comrades and you've got like the 24-hour races and, and they all kind of have their own separate worlds as well and, and there's some crossover here and there <clears throat> so i tried to cover as much of it as i could uh but it, it, it's kind of an adventure story it's me going into it all and, and talking to the people i meet along the way and uh, uh and and just trying to get through it and my experiences and their experiences and and, and also yeah so that that's the idea it's out in may uh and hopefully people will enjoy it. I don't know. That's, yeah, that's... yeah. I think it'll it'll be really good. And and so what what about you? So what about the the some of the other adventures that you're going to be having? Have you got anything else lined up for the next kind of year or so? Not nothing major. I mean, I'm having finished the UTMB, saying I wanted to chop my hand off, and then decided <laughs> maybe I didn't. I did. I did wonder whether I would be interested in running more ultra runs because I'm definitely I'm definitely better at shorter stuff. I, I do I do better at 10k's and half marathons, and yeah. I'd still like to. I don't think I've ever run a particularly good marathon, so I was I'm down to run the Manchester marathon, but I, I've had a little niggle which has lost me some training. So <clears throat> I'm not sure I'm going to be in PB shape for that. But I'd like to just I'm, I'm like I say I'm 44. I'll be 45 by the end of this year. I think I've got a, a limited number of time, amount of time to to <coughs> set myself a marathon time. I'm happy to uh, retire with. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but I am interested in in I am I do find myself scanning the uh, ultra running uh, calendars and, and considering <coughs> doing another ultra run uh, possibly this year. Okay. So. Well, we'll keep an eye out for what you're going to do, and uh, yeah, it definitely sounds. Exciting, exciting year as well with your your upcoming book. Uh, yeah, good luck at UTMB. It's a uh, <coughs> race. Yeah. So before we go, there's one other question that I would like to have a, a series yeah. of fartlet questions we call them. So uh, okay. they're they're not too just one word answers is fine if if you don't mind. So the first okay. one is favorite shoe. Favorite shoe. I'm, I'm allowed to hesitate, am I? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's no no time limit, so. I think the Nike fairly Free loose. actually. Nike Free. All right, okay, yeah. <coughs> Nike's a big one. It's usually with the Pegasus, so. It's, yeah, it's... No, I really, I really like the minimal shoes, but I find the uh, the really minimal shoes. Uh, I'm just not quite strong enough with right. my feet to use them, but the Nike Free is a good balance. So. Okay. It's no good on trails though. It's only a road running shoe. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Favorite? Have you got a mantra that you have? favorite mantra <clears throat> well it's, it's, it, there's not a one word answer to that because it sounds crazy <laughs> the story is in the book okay. uh, but there, it's not really a mantra it's a song that right. I start singing which is a song that comes from my rather hippie childhood uh, <laughs> so listen have a read the book enigmatically but yeah I, I, so I never set it up to be my mantra but it's it, when, the, when the crisis hits it seems to come to me this okay. song that's amazing I've never heard of that one before I'm going to have to fig, figure out a song to 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 listen to or to sing it's really it's partly it's partly because it's one of my earliest memories from when i was about four when i heard it and yeah. then also the rhythm of it just fits with with a good step as well <laughs> brilliant all right what about pre-race meal do you have a pre-race meal that you go to yeah i do tend to even though i, I don't eat it so much these days normally but b b before a race i always i feel happy if i've had porridge basically okay. porridge and honey just porridge and honey i think it's always yeah. a safe option isn't it Porridge. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. just—I feel like I know I am now. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm in race mode when I have that. This is why. This is what I—I I always know I'm, I'm not, not going to give me stomach problems. It's going to give me energy. So, yeah. yeah. 
Favourite race? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm just going to have to say the first race that came into my head, which was Comrades. Alright, okay. Alright, interesting. And what about favourite distance? Half marathon. Ah, 20, which is, doesn't fit with Comrades at okay. all. But <laughs> <laughs> 24 hour race or the UTMB? So a 24 hour track race or the UTMB? What which would I rather do? Yeah. So that is tough. I think I think the UTMB for the for the journey of okay. it. But yeah, and uh, are you a beer drinker? Yeah. What's your favourite beer? Uh, I like a, like wherever I go to have a, a local pale ale or, or just a, a locally brewed ale. I I don't have a particular one that stands out, but yeah. but a proper ale, nothing too fizzy, nothing too lagery. Okay, and uh, favourite running session to do. Uh, would probably be. A, uh, <laughs> I'm not very good at these, am I? Uh, favorite running session. Well, I know my worst is a hill session. Right. Okay. Sure. That's gonna be your favorite then. If it's the hardest, it's, that's usually your favorite. Eh? Oh, no, I hate it. I hate hill sessions. <laughs> well, no, I tell you, my favorite. My favorite would be like mile reps or something okay. with my with my running club, my running group on a good night uh, around Paint and Green in in. In Torbay. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And a uh, final question mm. is: What's have you heard of the beer mile before? Yeah. So do you have? Have you done it before? No, I haven't done it. Okay. No. So in terms of the the, I mean, it's a, obviously you drink a you drink a beer, you run a lap, and you do it four yeah. times. What do you think you could run? So what would be your fastest beer mile time if you trained for, let's say, six months? God. Well, I mean, I I've done a mile. It, recently in 4.54 but <clears throat> I'm, I am a lightweight when it comes to beer right? Okay. Uh, and I'm not, not I'm, I'm famously a slow beer drinker as well but, but obviously I probably could down if I had to but I'd, I'd have to say that would add at least let me think 20 seconds of time so you have 3 beers or 4 beers 4 beers, four beers. Yeah. so let's go for uh, 6.20 6.20 okay. that's, that's a good enough that's a good time yeah yeah well, we've got a wee leaderboard going, so we'll have to get you on Actually, there. The last I'm, just, I'm going to have to think, you've got to slow down and start up, speed up again as well. That's right, each one. yeah, yeah. Let, yeah. Me, have a, a, let me say 6.30. Oh, okay, right. We'll go yeah, I can that, do yeah. 6.30. Yeah. <laughs> the last interview, uh, it was a DNF for him, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. I could just about, I would feel pretty sick by the end, but I think I could just about do it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think that's it for, for me, and really good to have you on the show. One one thing for for the listeners is where can we find you and, and how can we follow you? Oh yeah, well if you can spell my name, I'm I'm pretty I seem to be the only Adaranand on on the internet, so I'm pretty hard, I'm pretty easy to find. So it's yeah. I'll spell my name. It's A D H A R A N A N D. But so my Twitter handle is just Adaranand. My Instagram is just Adaranand. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I, I will have a website. I'm just doing it at the moment, which will be just be a darrenand.com. So okay. yeah, if you yeah. if you Google a darrenand, I come up. Basically. Yeah, well, we'll be sure to to put that in the notes anyway, so people can Brilliant. follow you. So and uh, in terms of the the book, so when's the it's the rise of the ultra runner? When's that going to be released? You mentioned the, May, is that right? Yeah, so 16th of May that comes out. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, one thing I, I, I having had this talk, one thing that might be worth mentioning is I do a. Uh, a two-week uh, trip to Iten every every well this year it's in June it's either June or July. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, people can just send me a message on Twitter or Facebook or something. I can give them the details. But uh, 
like uh, the guy from your club, Dino, has Dino, been there yeah, twice. And, Dino uh, and Jane, yeah. People tend to come back. People enjoy it. Uh, it's it's if you've read the book and you enjoy it, we get the the Godfrey is our guy. Jaffa is one of the other runners I spend a lot of time with. Runs with us. We we often bump into people like Elliot Kipchoge and Wilson Kipsang walking along the road. We go and visit them in their camp. So. It's that's, quite an experience. That'd be amazing. Uh, I, I love going. So that's another thing people can check out and yeah. maybe look up. Yeah. So how do we, if anyone wants to sign up, where where would they go to? Or how would the, they? The, there's a website called trainingkenya.com. Uh, they do other trips to Kenya as well mm-hmm. with, within the year. If if my camp doesn't suit the dates, or if you don't don't want to be there with me, yeah, okay. It doesn't have such a tie into my book, but it's it's still two weeks in a ten. Uh, and then there's a link to the they'll have a link to the, to my camp is yeah. on there. So it's training Kenya. I think it's called trainingkenya.com. Let me just yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Well, we we can easily add it to the notes anyway. But that sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, a real pleasure having you on. Uh, the show and um, oh, it's fun to come yeah, on. And I'm thanks. sure we'll probably end up bumping into each other in some of these crazy ultra races if you yeah. if you continue to do them. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. I'm not 100. <laughs> percent I'm sure I'll do a few. I'll uh, do a few. <clears throat> and good luck. Yeah, good luck in the UTMB. I might I might be there uh, as a spectator. I'm all sorry. right. Okay. Well, if you are, let me know and try and uh, yeah. give you a high five as a as a run yeah, past and yeah. And, and the way down to Chamonix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, yeah, if you get that far, you'll be in, in great spirits. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a so, beautiful, yeah. it's a really nice final descent into Chamonix. It's 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 not too steep, it's not too technical, so you can really just, once you've got to that bit, you're, you're home and dry. Yeah. It's. Uh, I'll take your word for it then. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll <make> right. <laughs> okay, okay, thanks, thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Kyle and Mr. Finn. Great to have you on. That was uh, that was excellent. I, I, I said I'm looking forward to listening to it, and I'm looking forward to this Rise of the Ultra when it comes out. That might maybe that might tip me into the ultra scene. I I hope so, Tom. I I do I do hope so, but I, I'm sure Tom's going to get his his one of his first experiences of um of ultra running when he he's my uh, he's my bitch at UTMB in in August. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So news, let's uh, let's move on then. So you've dug up dug up a couple of articles. I've dug up. I've done some. Uh, I've done some googling. Google News Athletics, and it's amazing what comes up. Uh, so the Diamond League, the Diamond League meetings. So I, I think the Diamond League meetings are are great. You know, during there's so many so many events, and it's just good to have some uh, some regular sort of. Um, yeah, you know, reg- regular events on on the TV. You know, it's usually well covered by BBC, but the the meetings are going to be reduced from 32 to 24 next year. Officials from the IWF have announced. Um, so in a year long review, the, the international athletics governing body also decided each meeting will scale down from two hours to 90 minutes. Now this is the the the, the thing that struck me, however, was. The longest track race, the long distance track race is only going to be at a maximum 3,000 meters. Thoughts? Bull- this is, that's bull- <laughs> this, honestly, first reaction, I've never heard any of that before. This is bullshit. I think it's an absolute knife in the back of distance running. How can you, how can you expect athletes who are heading to what, trying to tune up for major championships at even 5K, you know, and 10K and not have, not have those events. I remember a few years ago we were at the pre-classic in 
in Oregon on the west coast of the states, and we watched the ten thousand there. It was a fantastic race to watch. You know, it's um, so that my first reaction on the purely on the reduction of only having a three k is poor, really, really poor. I don't I don't get that at all. And I, the reduction of the number of events, I'm not quite sure what events have dropped out. Um, I get that they want. To, I get they want. We've talked before about making it more interesting and scaled down. Ninety minutes seems quite tight, and I, my fear will be: Are people going to go and pay to watch only ninety minutes of athletics? I don't. Well, yeah, I doubt. They play, it. That, they play mean, that for football. To I, be fair, I wouldn't. I, I don't. I mean, okay, there might be a fifteen hundred meters or a, well, I mean, a three k distance though. Like, it's not even a. It's not. It's not a distance that's recognised on night outdoor track really you know as a senior it's 5k it's more of a universally understood yeah. distance isn't it so yeah and you know there's a there's a bit that uh steve magnus don't you know who steve he's an american athletics coach yeah you go on twitter uh wait wait shoot distance running in the foot it's a missed opportunity to figure out how to connect to the masses and um, your most viable potential audience are the people who do road races park runs etc um so yeah, so I don't really get it. I don't really obviously it must must be to do with the timings, but five K is five K, you know. It's only an extra couple of minutes on the track compared to a two K. Yeah, sorry, a three K. Um I, yeah, it's it's not gonna make me watch it. So I'm, what's I'm what's interesting, I'm reading the actual IWF article itself now, and they're talking about how they want to develop innovative events around out of stadium and city centre field events now I've seen that at the great city games occasionally when they put you know a high jump or a, or a long jump in, in there or maybe hurdles and that's okay that's not field but you can do that you've seen them do that in Manchester I think those are really good formats and really good you know a really good way to bring athletics to the fans uh, I think the, the the athletes quite enjoy that as well so that okay that's that is quite an interesting change we'll see how they do that because um but they don't actually give much detail in terms of what they're doing. Actually, they talk about um, okay, prize a, a tiered prize money system, but again, they don't have actual full details on that. They're just words. Uh, and it says working with our rights holding and host broadcasters on a faster paced ninety minute TV event that will link the twelve events and the athletes' points, so fans can more easily follow the road to a single final at the end of the season. I'll be honest. I find following the Diamond League as an overall competition really difficult you know yeah yeah. i think i think you're only gonna know if you if you're competing who's who's doing well you know unless you want to go on the website and and look at the league tables but it's it's not that well publicized really who's winning you know it should just be but you know what they should do they should just say they should make it super simple like you know it should be you get uh, maybe it is, and I, I just don't understand it, but it should just be based on, um, I guess it's points for wins, right? Points for, yeah, points for wins. Okay. So you, you for each event, you, you would, obviously you can, if you, if you win the event, you're crowned the champion, aren't you? But yeah, okay. All right, so... You get, it's, it's, it, you know, there's a, there's a money incentive there, obviously. Um, yeah. I think that's why most, most people do it, but... But there should um, be there should be things like bonuses if you if you run an Olympic qualifying or something I don't know maybe I'm 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 maybe not thinking clearly enough for it but certainly I think the the reduction number of events they haven't said which events they will reduce it to so it's twelve female twelve male 
But it's interesting that they, they specify the longest distance is 3,000 meters. I think if they'd said five, I think you could have maybe swallowed it. But I'm not sure how... Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. So that's anyway. that. That's the, that's the change, Tom. Okay. So other than that, We've got anything else to take? So We've I've got, got we... I've got one more bit of news for you. So I see they announced the the Olympic qualifying standards for 2020. All ah, right, and and how far off are we then? <laughs> so I am pretty far off actually, uh, unfortunately. So I can now, having seen them, I can definitely rule myself out of Tokyo. Um, what what's the marathon one? The marathon is 2.11.30, and that's what I want to talk about. That oh, seems, man. That seems pretty sharp. Jeez. So if you look Two at... Ga- yeah. That's, oh, no, that's the, that is the that's the IAAF announced times. I assume that... Again, this is me showing my lack of understanding. I assume that the that you have to run that, and then it's at the country's own disc, uh, discretion as to whether you put the bar even higher than that. But certainly, yeah. So what's interesting... We could go into them all, but I'm only I'm I'm just going to stick to the the marathon as an example because we we are mainly distance running on here. So the marathon for women has gone from 2:45 to 2:29:30. Really, so that for the marathon a, that, for the marathon for women, that's oh. a big jump. Ten thousand for women has gone from 32:15 to 31:25, and uh, the 5K has gone from 15:24 to 15:10. The, but the, the marathon really jumps out. And anyway, the IWF are saying that they're they have a desire to make use of their world ranking system, which is in theory encourages athletes to compete head to head in important meets. And this may actually do you know, This may well tie in with um, the Diamond League, although I guess that wouldn't apply for marathon. Maybe, maybe, maybe that applies for some of their gold and silver races that they have around the year. Um, but yeah, so the marathon and the 50k qualification for Tokyo 2020 runs from January 1st this year through till May 31st next year. So that will include. Um, London this year and London next year. So boys who run the standard this year, your Hawkins etc., who run it this year, can bank that for for Olympics. And yeah, the ten thousand qualification period runs from the first of January this year through till June twenty ninth next year. So it's uh, the worlds will obviously come into play there. So no, it's really it's uh, I thought it was quite a jump. That's a that's a huge jump, isn't it? I mean. <sighs> Yeah, maybe maybe they maybe they might get maybe they'll get the times, but so for the marathon well, though, two twenty nine. How many women have achieved a two twenty nine other than Steph Twell? Well, Steph Twell didn't run that. She didn't. She, she didn't. She, she didn't run that. Yeah, she ran so there, you, there you go. And if you look at the men's side, okay, it wasn't an Olympic qualifying year last year, which probably is one of the reasons why. But Mo was the only British guy to go under two eleven thirty. Yeah. And okay, the year before you had Dewey Griffiths and uh, Cam Hawkins, but. You know, it's it's uh, that's a big ask. That's that is a huge ask. Well, we'll see what happens then. You could argue though that if you're going to compete at the Olympics, you need to run. You, you know, when when you've got guys, you've got a, a heap of Africans who are now battling around two or four to two or six. Okay, I know the Olymp- championship events can be um, a bit slower, but you know, if you want to compete, you need to be able to run a two a two eleven. <laughs> Oh, says me well. as a complete non-expert. <laughs> but anyway, I would say what do you know what I'll do is I'll share the I'll share the standards on the or the link to the standards announcement on the TRS Facebook page. It's really interesting. Even when you start looking at 
you know, 5K and 10K, and you see some of the athletes who are kicking off. Paul Chilimo, for example, has been kicking off. Um, basically, he wouldn't have made the Olympic team, Olympic team, sorry, in 2016, where he did, and he medaled. So, do yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah. it, I think my first reaction is it's too, it's too harsh, but um, especially yeah, when it, especially when it comes to you know, like the event itself, it's never run as a time trial. It's run as a yeah. tactical race. A lot of the time, but I know it's got there's got to be an objective measure there, and but yeah, yeah, yeah those times are, are pretty tight. Like I, I don't know, be I, I can't imagine there'd be many many countries who are going to manage to field yeah sub two eleven the field well, what, team. I guess I guess the British team UK Athletics I assume will will put London next year as a, a essentially a trial race. Yeah, yeah, you'd imagine. Which, what, what, which, I like that format yeah. actually. Well, yeah, uh, I think so, it's. Yeah, London. Sorry, you've got the we've got Doha later in the year this year for the um, World Champs, and then Tokyo Summer uh, 2020. Ah, okay. Oh, that'd be well. Bless you, Tom. Thank you. Bless anyway, you. so that that just, that was the last bit of news I was wanting to throw out there. I like it. I like it. Well, interesting news. It's good that you've done a little bit of research this week, even with all that traveling about. So we we have a rant, and this this rant comes from uh, from from I'm gonna again this person remains anonymous, but they're uh, they're not they're certainly familiar in terms of um, sending in rants. So park runs, canny cross park runs, Tom. <laughs> so there was a hell of a lot of dogs running about at that park run, which I've got no problem with. I, I think that's absolutely fine, but. Um, but what I think the rant here is, it's the kind of cross people who have the dog and they run with a dog. They they get a faster time than someone who doesn't run with a dog. So there was a recently there was a park run held. I can't remember it was, but um, a fifty year old lassie got a, she, her her PB was nineteen minutes and, and she managed to run a fifteen minute park run with a dog but on the when you look at the results the results didn't suggest that she was running with a dog a normal power of 10 yeah but it's not on power of 10 but it's still pe- but is it's it still, on power, no, of, 10? On power of 10 yeah partner's on power, it's 10. On power of 10 yeah. yeah there you go it goes on it goes on power of 10 so yeah, you, you, need to be de- you need to be declaring that shit but how but i agree with you but it's a difficult one to do i'm not unless your barcode Actually, you'd have to have a barcode for when you run with a dog. Exactly. That's the solution, Tom. A canny cross barcode. Great. So you can have your own little power 10 with your dog. You know, a picture, a profile picture of your dog and uh, you and your dog. And uh, and it just says on it, canny cross. 15 minutes canny cross. Ranked number 10 in the UK. Or something I don't know, but yeah. the, anyway, this fifty-year-old lady—I don't, I don't know how old she is, but she, she, I think she'll be ranked pretty highly if if she is fifty fifty plus. Yeah, to yeah, run a fifteen-minute sure. PB. I mean, I, I would best like to invest in the country. I'd like to. Yeah, yeah, I was... <laughs> I'm gonna get. I'm gonna buy a. I'm gonna buy a dog. I'm gonna steal someone's dog and and see what time I can run for a five k. I mean, it'd be pretty cool to do that. You know, it would be. She had a real. A dog that can run really fast. 
Yeah, you get a greyhound or something. Although it needs to be strong as well. You need a, it's that combination of strength and endurance you need in the dog. You get your dog on reps, train the dog, you know. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know when you when you're battling that headwind you can Yeah, just buy a dog and it'll feel like you're it's going fine. downhill. Yeah. So my my position on it is I'm not that big a fan of the uh I think Canny Cross at Park Run's fine. I agree. I think it's a separate sport, though. And again, this is where I, you know, you and I are both big fans of Parkrun. We love what it does for the sport. We enjoy doing them. But Parkrun is very encompassing, all encompassing, I should say. Do you know what I mean? So you've got like, you've got all sorts. Well, of... Sorry, one second. I've got a storm alert. A storm alert on my phone. <laughs> Batting down the hatches. It's a storm coming. I think it's Storm Gareth. But anyway, you know, carry so it's, on. it's all it's all great, but the problem is when your results of your run are getting input to a, a UK athletics essentially database, there needs to be some kind of discrepancy. It would be like me running as well. You might as well. It'd be like some. I mean, this, this is another uh, subject, but it'd be like you know someone running as a woman. Oh, just, don't get know. us into that, Jesus! <laughs> I told you not to not to speak about that in the podcast. Okay. Yeah. You told me that Get months ourselves. ago. You didn't want to speak about that in the podcast. <laughs> that was the only the only taboo Kyle's ever put on the podcast. I'm not quite sure why, because I think it's a fascinating subject. Well, do you want to, do you want to speak about it then? Well, not not now. I think oh, uh, right. it's, it's uh, a bit late. It's, Fiona's Fiona's back from fitness from yoga now, so she's she's, she's gonna, probably. Yeah. You need to spend anyway, some time so on, celebrating. Celebrating the run, yeah. So anyway, on the on the on the on the on the run back to that, I think. Yeah, I agree. There needs to be distinguished in the results because it is getting a better at hand. It was all fine when people used to run with their dogs because it was fun, and I'm all over that. You know, it's the same for me as taking a buggy around. But when people are are, are getting performance enhancing effects from a dog, <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, not I I agree. Um, but I tell you what, some of the some of the people who were, I mean, the, the course, the course, there was there was dogs running down the hill, and you were told to keep to the right side and I'm coming back and some of the people on the left side and I'm getting I'm getting bashed about with these dogs in the way and oh man so anyway as long as I don't mind if dogs run races as long as they don't get in your bloody way I'm all for them Amen yeah. so other than that I think that's the only rant we've got um, that we're going to chat about cause, uh, I'm, we're, it's a late night we, we, it's, it's a busy it's been a busy start to the week for both of us um, so there's a couple of races on this weekend. Um, there is the D33 Ultra along the elusive D side line from Aberdeen to Bankery and back. But there's also the D99, so there's also a 100 mile ultra race as well. It's mental, absolutely so they, mental. So if anyone's bored and, and want to and, and, and are looking to support the race, Feel free to get yourself along to the D side line and and yeah. Give, you know, give. I'm gonna put it out there. Some and you can answer this, or maybe an ultra runner can email me as someone who's not interested at all. Why would you do that? I mean, is it just to prove you can do it? Because well, hundred hundred miles. You're not telling me anyone at the D99 is racing it. Is it just to see can I run it, or is there people who are genuinely cheering for a time there? Oh, I mean, what's, what's yeah, the goal of course. There? I, 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 that's a really good point. I think it depends on who you are, and I mean, for me, if I'm doing an ultra race, other than that, uh, that World's Way Ultra, I'm going there to win it. Right, I'm not okay. going. 
I'm not going there to make up the numbers and to complete it. I'm I'm going there to to do as well as I can and to run as fast as but I can. Without any disrespect, and this is not disrespect, it's actually blowing smoke up your jacksy. You're an elite in, uh, GB inter- elite GB international ultra runner, and I mean my equivalent the pe- my equivalents in ultra running. Is it just what? Why, why would you do the 99 over the 33 this weekend? Because you got a better chance to win because less think, people, or because nah, you just love running 100 miles. I think most people are are going to do it for the challenge, but okay. Like how many how many times can you can you say uh, you know in your life? I I ran 100 miles. But like, you know, that sounds quite cool to say it, that. It does sound quite cool, but for an event like the D99, you could just run. It's such a straightforward route. You could run it out and back anytime you wanted. If it's just to say I've run a hundred miles, is it because it's under event format? And I'm not—I'm honestly not being funny. I genuinely—I just can't get my head around. You're, someone's an ultra runner. There's a 33-mile race. Do you know what? I need to bump it to 99. Do, it's do mental. You want, do, do you want to know an even an even better story? There's a there's an ultra race that was also on this weekend, and it's called the Tunnel Ultra. And do you know how long this one is? I've no idea. So it's basically, uh, God, where is it? It's in a, it's on a tunnel. It's in a tunnel, and there's a hundred out and backs. Oh shit! <laughs> there's two hundred times through the tunnel. Um, yeah, most all of it's run un, within the tunnel, um, and I think it's like a hundred miles, Oof. and you just run up and down a tunnel. Blimey. Anyway, there was two people who did it from Aberdeen, uh, Mike Raffin and Alan oh, yeah. Cormack. And I I believe, um, well, Mike, he pulled out, apparently he got bored. Fair enough. <laughs> the, <laughs> actually, in, in the guy, um, Alan Cormack, he, he was one of the only two finishers to finish the whole, really? the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. So, so well there done. you go. Man, um, that's impressive. Yeah. So I, I don't know if Alan listens to the show, but... Shout out to you for doing that. I mean, that's to run in a tunnel, you know, in a tunnel for 50, yeah, I don't know how many hours. I think it was like 38 hours he was running in a tunnel for. Like, God, that's that's boring as hell, that. But, so, I mean, that's, for me, doing the UTMB, I'm running I'm running through, like, the, some of the the world's most stunning, stunning scenery. scenery. Yeah. And the, the trails are fantastic. There's an, it, there's a great sense of support and you've got the top athletes in the world all lining up together and the camaraderie, the camaraderie I can't even speak tonight um it's yes yeah, it's going to be it's going to be amazing so here's a here's a request for our ultra running listeners why do you run tell me that i'm really really intrigued to hear from you know as i say just regular ultra runners what what is it that makes you run and why would you run an ultra, a 33 over, a 99 over a 33 or whatever? You know, what what makes you run? Is it just a challenge? Once you've done it once, is that it? You know, if you, that, and I'm really intrigued to hear this because it's, it's just totally, it's a sub, uh, something I don't see. I, for example, why don't I run 1500 meters? I don't run 1500 meters because I'm just, uh, because I'm not fast enough. You know, <laughs> and again, the, and actually, to be fair, on the same point, you could say, well, that's, is that because you're not going to compete? I don't compete really at, the distances I run, but I just find, I don't know, I, I, I enjoy them more, or I get more out of them. Maybe that's the same. Anyway, I look forward to hearing from, from at least, hopefully at least one listener is doing a 100-mile race this year and can give me some chat on that. Then you've got Dave Andrew with the 24-hour race. I mean... Exactly. 
So that's the thing. That's the thing, Tom. Everyone's going to have different reasons for doing it. Like, I reckon if you would... Well, let's put it out there, listeners. So, ultra runners out there, tell us why you run. And, you know, not, not just ultra runners. Any any of you. Tell us yeah, why you... Like tell that. us. Tell us why you run, and uh, we've been intrigued to know some of the reasons why, because I think there's going to be some amazing stories of, of why people run, and um, and some of the, the differences it might might well be to 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 run, you know, to, to complete a race, or it might well yeah. be to um, to win a race, or it might well be to get a PB. It's um, there, there might be an underlying story there. Um, so yeah, it'd be I mm. think. As part of our podcast, we'd love to know Absolutely. why people are running, and it'd be great to to chat about that too. Fantastic! I think that's uh, so. On that, yeah. So as, as uh, yeah. Anyway, we've really drifted off races. I totally derailed that, but yeah. So this weekend <laughs> is the D thirty three Ultra and the D ninety nine. Good luck if you're doing either of them. I may jog down to the D side line. I quite often go and see them come back in. Maybe not the 99 guys, because I'll probably be in bed by that time. <laughs> Depends when they start. They might start earlier, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think they do, actually. I think they start on Friday, actually, to be fair. So, oh. yeah, and good luck there. And then also, there's a... <laughs> you went down, apparently it's the Nubra Beach Bash this year, this weekend <laughs> as well. Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens. I, I must say, though, please do check out um, some of our, the better sources of information in terms of race fixtures. We've got the Scottish Running Guide... And Scottish Athletics do a fairly comprehensive um, roundup of, of some of the upcoming fixtures. So we do have this weekend. Um, yeah, we I mentioned the Newburgh Beach Bash. Uh, there's a Chapel Gill Hill race in Peoplesshire. That's I think that's quite a good one. The Mighty Deer Stalker. That's um, bringing oh, a, a, a wee tear to my eye, Tom. That's that's uh, God, that, how many years ago? That 15 years ago to. To so that day, maybe. <laughs> first time I ever met Tommy. Yeah, maybe that was not, those are the days. Maybe yeah, not was, the first time, but it was certainly first um, time we hung out properly. Yeah. Exactly. We had first a beer together. First time we, uh, yeah. That was, anyway, so that was that was that was cool. There's also the the Craig uh, Danane Hill race this weekend. Is that? I know there's been a bit of feedback. People want to hear more from about hill racing here. So that's this weekend. KB5 road race. Run that before. You, that's a. Are you looking at the right? Where are you look getting that from? Scottish Athletics. Ah, oh, right, okay. Well, there you go. There, there's some some fixtures that aren't in the the running BC one. And uh, also, what we got is the the Ben Bakula 10K course measurement pending. Uh, that's in uh, Linux Clay Sports Centre. Anyway, so that's that's one. I think the KB5 you can enter on the day. So if you're looking for a five miler in Edinburgh. That's one to look for, and then actually an interesting one it's a, in terms of national champs. It's the actual, it's the road, the young athletes road races this weekend. Oh uh, yeah, so okay. That's, uh, I think it's like four k for the under fifteen and five k for the under seventeen. I think. I mean, um, so yeah, I beg your pardon. Three k for under thirteen girls and boys, four k for under fifteen girls and boys, and five k for under seventeen boys and girls. So. Uh, good luck to any any listeners who are going there with their clubs, or if any juniors listen. I hope you don't listen. Uh, but oh yeah, you don't listen. to our rambling. This is not. Jeez. This is uh, This is not. Suitable, this isn't so. an educational podcast. No. No. So anyway, that's it. And then uh, obviously for us, well, I'm, I'm well certainly for me, being men's captain, we've got the Metro Aberdeen Awards Night this uh, weekend as well. This weekend, eh? Yeah. Jeez. Well. Let's see. Hopefully, Tommy's up for an award. 
sadly not. Not the same. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, my 10k at the end of the year scuppered that. Oh, uh, yeah, dear. Anyway. Ah, well. Right, well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, apologies. We, we, we weren't, we never had as much uh, laughter this, this, this episode. We are tired tonight, but, uh, like I said, we haven't, we've had a 46 week of unbeaten podcasts being produced to you guys. So, um, so I, I think that's, how many weeks is that now? Six weeks before our, our first year anniversary? Yeah, the birthday. We need to think what we do for that. TOS birthday. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so yeah, we've got, we have got some exciting things that, that are in the pipeline, uh, which I'm sure will be divulging to you in the, the, the next, the, the future episodes in the next couple of weeks so stay tuned and as always if you want to catch up with us please subscribe to Tartan Running Shorts and uh, it's the best way that you can you can keep in contact and um, you can get us on SoundCloud iTunes and most of the other I uh, kind of podcast applications as well Tartan at Tartan Running Shorts on Twitter and our Facebook page as well Tartan Running Shorts and anything else. We've got a website as well, tartanrunningshorts.com. So feel free to, to follow us there too. So as always, thanks again for listening and we will catch up with you all next week. Happy running. Yeah, see you later. Bye.